I love this damn thing. It's the Low Score Podcast, starring Bobby Schweizer and Jason Ford. Jay. Here Thank we you are. very much, Dude Walker. Whoa, dude. Dude. dude yeah, here dude, we are. Dude. We're here. <clears throat> I'm like recovering from a cold that just kicked my ass last week. Oh, I'm sorry, man. It is the season. I, I don't get... Usually my colds come in summer, actually. Really? That's, mm-hmm. I, I call it my that. annual summer cold, and I missed it this year, so... Ah, so it's just late. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. So I, I often think of them as being tuned to the changing of the seasons, and especially, I, I don't know how the weather's been like you, but it got like like unseasonably warm, then incredibly cold and rainy, and now it's unseasonably warm again. It's like yeah. high 60s today. So yep, I think same, same thing down here. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of like this weather, though. So having lived in Atlanta for long enough now, like there are certainly, I, my conceptions of fall are different. So fall for me is kind of, overcast and humid and sometimes the leaves change <laughs> like that is that is now so when i think of sometimes thanksgiving i think of a warm day and even christmas but well, we've had some nice christmases but my first christmas here was like in the 70s oh my gosh yeah um but i, I don't mind this this weather so much you have the windows open still in november that's I, not bad i do love this weather. this is the best weather this is the good like that early fall weather that i want that i i want it to be like this in september but it's not september is still hella summer yep we yes i would like to at least push this into october maybe mm-hmm. then i would feel because no, by november things should be chilly yeah in my opinion but it does not work out that way but it was nice because yesterday you know i was i played video games all day we'll talk about it mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to roll out of the house and like walk up to the Walgreens, you know, in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put on a hat because like it's like the perfect temperature where that seems somehow appropriate. Like I'm wearing thin pants. I mean, they they looked more like regular pants than pajama pants. Right. But it just seemed it seemed okay for a Saturday. Uh, what I really wanted is I had seen a commercial for the Xbox One, and in that commercial, someone was drinking mountain dew and that mountain dew looked like it was kind of purple in color oh, I was like, okay i was like holy shit so i started i started scouring online trying to figure out what the new purple mountain dew is and now it's some like berry flavor it's like i need to go acquire some new mountain dew i was surprised that with all the stupid advertising for xbox one and mountain dew and doritos that i had not seen this soda before sure went up to walgreens nothing hmm. went to, went to the exxon nothing but as i was texting you on the way i passed by a mcdonald's uh, yes like i remember all this so let's back up i'm surprised that the exxon did not have it. i'm a little bit surprised at the walgreens he, here's why because the exxon is is not a mini mart it is like a little office that has one cooler inside oh of it. yeah that's no good because i was yeah. thinking 
All right. I am a little bit surprised that a grocery store or drugstore wouldn't have it. But I'm very surprised. It seems like their core audience are the people who are buying, like, big grabs and 20 ounces. Right. So, yeah. so that, to me, seems like, A1, you get those out first. Worry about the 12 packs and 2 liters a little later. This definitely does not have the Mini Mart that would support that, which is unfortunate. Because, what was it, two weeks ago when I went camping and I sent you that picture? I picked up some Takis yeah. and then, like, do- some Takis. Donkey, donkey Punch. I thought there was like so many awesome energy drinks at this QT or whatever it was off of I-85. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I need a place like that around me. So yeah. I was bummed. I wasn't getting my Mountain Dew. I was still going to go to the grocery store, which is across the street from all this. But I was walking by McDonald's and outside they had a sign up for a new dollar menu item. Okay. And it was the barbecue ranch burger. <sighs> I said like, Okay. I could see this like hot sauce and ranch is pretty good. Like I've done, like I've had like a ranch burger before. Like that's, it's not an unusual topping. What would a ranch burger be like? So what, so ranch, are we thinking like cool ranch or are you thinking more like the ranch dressing, you know, buttermilk with, uh, you know, chive seasoning type ranch, ranch dressing. So a little bit of ranch dressing on the burger. Sure. And if you wanted, if you wanted to make that like a barbecue ranch burger, what I would do if I were making at home is I would make the, the patty with the barbecue sauce in it. Okay. And then put the ranch as a topping. Okay. So like you would you would put on mustard or mayonnaise or something. Like sure. A yes. Exactly. Okay. So you were expecting something like, like that maybe. Yeah. Probably not with the barbecue sauce baked in. You're thinking regular McDonald's patty, little barbecue yeah. sauce, little ranch. Yep. We're done. Like maybe, maybe barbecue sauce underneath the patty and then ranch on top. Sure. No. Instead, what I got was barbecue sa- sauce and ranch like thrown into a vat and mixed up with a big paint stir. Okay. So it's there. there is one sauce that they are shipping out. Yep. That actually makes more sense. Way more gonna, sense, right? Yeah, yep. You know, it, it, like a special sauce quality orange coloring right mm-hmm. there. Right. But they also had other flavors like they almost had like a chipotle flavor in there as well like they had done something with the barbecue sauce to fuck it up mm. and then they put on these little crispy tortilla strips that were like taco flavored so as if it were a dorito like crispy crispy tortilla strips like you would get on top of maybe a pizza or like in a soup or something but okay fla- flavored as a nacho chip like a like a dorito got it okay so something then, if i was going to make a tortilla soup Yes. I would put these in there, except yeah. they've put Dorito dust on it. Correct. Got it. You got it. Um, and boy, was it awful. <laughs> it's like one of the grossest things I've ever tasted. The picture you sent and posted on Twitter was pretty nauseating, and it looked like you had taken a couple bites. Did you finish it, or was that it? I saved a bite for Jesus. Okay. But you but ate I three ate quarters most of, of it. it more? Yep. Yeah. Um. And, you know, like, people were like, oh, well, that's what you get for going to McDonald's. I have no problems with McDonald's. Sure. In general, McDonald's is a totally fine fast food establishment. I'm going to choose a Wendy's, you uh-huh. know, 99, 100 times. McDonald's just has those, have those fries, man. Can't argue. Yeah. And, and McDonald's had, like, I like their uh, their McDouble is, is all right. Yeah, I find yeah, that. The, the uh, chicken sandwich is fine. I think that to have success at McDonald's, you get a K-I-S-S. You yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't, mm-hmm. don't get tricked by their angus third pound nonsense no hamburger cheeseburger chicken nuggets maybe a mcchicken the spicy mcchicken that was i thought a success Mm -hmm. that's the kind of simple thing that mcdonald's can do you gotta that's why you have to go to the value menu and just order a bunch of things off the value menu right yep 
So yeah. Oh, super and also bummed. breakfast second to none from fast food breakfasts. Ha! Huh. I would I would debate you because I think that the croissant witches at Burger King are superior to anything that McDonald's has, but McDonald's has a better variety of things. Yes, I I, I like a croissant witch. I don't know if I like it better than the sausage biscuit mm-hmm. at McDonald's. It's excellent, and and the hash browns, man. Although the the tater rounds at Burger King are no joke. Yeah, I like those, and I like I think they're easier to eat too. Because number one, when you're in the car, for sure. Yeah, they're crispier in general because there's more mm-hmm. surface area to crisp up with right. a tater round than a hash brown right. um I, but i dude I, I still really like the mcgriddle i think that is an all right N- never had one it's good the concept, you try weird, it concept weirds me out yeah there are weirder things in this world that's true so yeah never got my mountain dew i ended up buying yeah. a, a monster energy which by the way i drink at what three o'clock in the afternoon one o'clock i was still like kind of uh, ready to go I, and i finally I crashed never had a monster the the energy drinks definitely freaked me out a little bit i will i i know a red bull i've had those mm-hmm. so on occasion i will hit that up when the need arises but i've never ventured into the monster the like i know there's people at my office who like they don't even like work late or anything they just bring them in by like the costco case and that's just like that's how would they get up in the morning yeah that's odd uh, you know, people drink coffee. You know, people drink a pot of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. I completely agree. But there's something I don't know. Like, just caffeine is one thing. Sure. Like, what, just you a know, big it's old in the coffee. Can of science is another yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Coffee, coffee is the most like unnatural, natural thing. Yes. Whereas this is the most unnatural, unnatural thing. Yes, correct. There is a spectrum. Coffee is on one end. Yeah. And like neon green nonsense is on the other. But anyway, how did it taste? It was totally fine. It tasted oh. like a Red Bull. Oh, okay. So yeah. ter- so terrible? No, uh, well, I don't mind the taste of Red Bull. I drank a lot of them when I was a ski instructor because I used to give them out on the slopes. Nice. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's fine. But it is not as significant as the food that you have prepared. Are you, have you prepared it this weekend? Uh, yeah, that's today. I've today. Done, t- I've done some prep work. I've been thinking about it. So it is the beginning of the most delicious food season. Thanksgiving. It's mm-hmm. coming up. So now you're hosting Thanksgiving again this year. I am excited. So uh, I'm not. Uh, but I like to make turkeys. So I make. I bought a turkey and I'm just fucking making one today. What? How many pounds is it? I bought a relatively small one. It is about fourteen pounds. Now that's, that sounds that's, that's, that's a lot, that's a of, lot of turkey, <laughs> but it was so. I was at the Trader Joe's. That's about as small as you can go. Okay. Like they, if I wanted to buy a eighteen to twenty pound turkey, that mm-hmm. could have been easily facilitated. So because I'm just making it for me and Carrie, and I, you know. I wanted to get a modest sized bird. That was the smallest I could find. That's yeah, that makes sense. I mean, turkeys are big animals in they're general. Big. They're so. big. What are you gonna do, right? Yep. So I mean, I was I spent a lot of yesterday thinking about and researching recipes. Because at first I was like, I'm just gonna roast a damn thing. But I was like, you know, I've got an opportunity here to do something a little different mm-hmm. and address some of the big problems. See, if if you're doing it for Thanksgiving, you. You know, you really want to make that, like, big roast whole bird thing. Yeah. But there's problems with this, right, that everybody knows. One is that white meat needs to be cooked to a different temperature than dark meat. 
Mm-hmm. So how do you cook the you know dark meat long enough to cook the white meat? Okay, and there's all kinds of problems because there's things that don't you know the big cavity doesn't conduct heat very well, the backbone doesn't conduct heat very well, all these bones, and then there's the stuffing issue, right? Everybody knows stuffing inside the bird is delicious, but it's totally impractical. Totally impractical. One, you've got all the raw juices in there, right? So now you have to cook the stuffing up to a high temperature, which is going to kill the whole bird. And it also screws up the heat distribution and all kinds of bad things. Yep. So I was reading a bunch of interesting recipes. Um, I know some people – so I settled on um, – somebody had, had done a little bit of tweaking to Julia Child's recipe. Who oh. was trying to solve all of these problems. Hello. Um, so here's here's what she does. Now, okay. This is what I'm going to do. Um, so, oh, anyway, so before I say this, I saw a lot of recipes where people advocating butterflying the bird. Sure. Which people, so with, that's basically you take the... With like an axe? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, uh, kitchen shears. If you have good sharp kitchen shears, taking the backbone out shouldn't be a big deal. Okay. I would hope. Um, yeah, because I've seen, like, I was watching a video of her do it, and she uses literally like a meat cleaver and a hammer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't have either of those things. Um, but anyway, but so, you know, butterflying is you take the backbone out and you basically like roll it up flat. So if you can imagine the breast is in the middle and then the two like legs and thighs are going to be on the side. So what Splayed is, out. Right. Splayed <clears throat> out. So what does this do? Well, it gives you more surface area. So it's going to cook faster. It's going to cook more evenly. And uh, you're going to expose the top to the skin. So it's all going to get kind of crispy. The mm-hmm. problem here is the aesthetic. Like when, yep. when, it, when it comes out. <laughs> Um, now once you carve it, obviously it all looks the same, but it, you, there's no real way to do the like Norman Rockwell presentation that way. You basically right. say, eh, I don't care. So that's a big negative, right? So Julia fixes this problem. Here's what she does. So she does take the backbone out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then she removes the thighs and legs in one piece. So now you have three pieces. You have a turkey breast with the wing still attached. You have the – and then the leg thigh attached twice, okay? Okay. She takes the thigh bones and cuts them out. Okay. She then uh, seasons the inside with some, like, salt and thyme and stuff. Rolls them up and ties them with twine. She t- she ties the, the, th- the leg thigh. thighs? The thighs, right. So imagine – so you have a, a, th- a thigh now. So you've got a bone in turkey leg. With a boneless thigh. Okay. So take the thigh and like wrap it around itself like a cylinder. Okay. So if the thigh is flat like this, you're going to do make it look like this. Okay. So instead of open open palms, you make fists. Exactly. Open palms tie, make fists. Tie, tie that up with okay. twine. Okay. Do that for both of them. Now, uh, to solve the cooking time problem. So now you have small pieces of dark meat and a big piece of turkey. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're actually going to cook the, t- the uh, turkey by itself in like a skillet for half an hour to kind of jumpstart it. Give Everything? It time. Just, just the turkey breast. Oh, the breast. Okay. Now, um, then what we're going to do is in a roasting pan to get our stuffing flavored like it was in the bird, we're going to take our pre-made stuffing, mm-hmm. fill the bottom of the roasting pan with it, put the turkey breast on it. And then we're going to take the un- – so the partially cooked breast on top, the uncooked dark meat at the bottom where, like, the legs would go, and then we're going to cook that for, like, an hour and a half, and it should be done. So then when it comes out, you've got the turkey breast. 
you've got the legs on the side, and then when you serve it, you get a big platter, put all the stuffing in it. The breast yeah. goes on top with the legs at the bottom. It looks like it's all together. And then when you carve the thigh, instead of just like hacking at it because the bones are all screwed up, mm-hmm. you've got like a roast like rounds with seasonings in the middle so you can just like cut them into medallions. Oh, interesting. So that I'm, sounds good. I'm pretty intrigued by this method. Um, nothing fancy in the way of like seasonings. It's still going to be a very traditional roast chick or roast turkey in terms of flavor. Mm-hmm. But the juices are going to drip down in the stuffing. So when you do this, by the way, if you're using um, another backup, I don't know what your stuffing preferences are. I've had a, I've made some several different stuffings. I've had stuffings made by grandmothers and aunts on both sides of my family and Carrie's family. Mm-hmm. They just can't beat box stuffing. There's just no way to do it. Agreed. So, which which, which box stuffing is the question? Okay, so uh, I'm a I'm a huge stovetop fan. Okay, huge. Just as well. Um, but again, uh, I, so if I was going to do Thanksgiving dinner, I'd go with my tried and true. I'm experimenting. I got a box of the cornbread stuffing from Trader Joe's. Okay, so trying that out. That's I've never had it. This is not a sales pitch, but it was at the same store I was buying my turkey at. So I went great. Yeah, we are we're going to make a cornbread stuffing casserole. So, and then we'll yeah. make some just straight up stovetop on the side. Yes. So for me, like stuffing is good, but I've, it doesn't really matter. Sure. Like I, the Pepperidge farm, they do a good stuffing Absolutely. mix box yeah. stuffing. Um, but I do not necessarily need traditional stuffing flavors when I do my, my Turkey. So, you know, I have no interest in actually stuffing the bird removed from all the problems that are associated with it. Right. Um, tell you what I, have I told you what I do? No. I've I've taken Maybe. someone who uh, I don't really like, but I think he's he knows food well, which is I do Alton Browns turkey. Yeah, which is you do a bunch of aromatics on the inside, so you do uh, rosemary sprigs and apples and onions and stuff. You put that all on the inside, um, and then you cover the bird in oil, and then you do like a super high heat to sear the the outside. Like really quickly, so you do it like five hundred. Yes, that for makes just sense. a little bit, and then you and turn then it down. You turn it down. You pull it out. You, you wrap it with uh, aluminum foil, right? And then you put it back in. Um, and I've had luck with that. You, it still does have the problems of certain things are cooking at different temperatures, and you're never quite sure. But as far as whole birds go, I think you know I, I'm still sticking by that. I've done that recipe, and it does work quite well. The aromatics are great. So you just shove in like lemon and celery and onion in there. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cinnamon sticks. Mm-hmm. Those, all of, that's one of his earliest recipes. And all of his early shows are like very, very basic stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. solving problems that people have. And yeah, I think that's one of the best recipes. I do think that this idea of the, the turkey casserole dish is a good idea, you know? Yeah. I'd be willing You'll have to let me know how it goes, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know how I, it goes. I may try I'll, it. I'll send you the recipe because it's definitely – I like that it's solving all of the problems. It it's also sure. should cook quite fast. Because um, last year we had a problem where I had bought a frozen turkey and I had thawed it for oh, three I, days and I it was that, still frozen. Made that pro- made that mistake myself. Again, just cooking like for me. Did mm-hmm. not know how long it would take. So that's why – so this turkey I bought thawed. I'm sure it was flash frozen at some point. but I, I do like – Man, I'm gonna go to Trader Joe's. I just don't know how, I don't know how long I can keep a turkey. I mean, I have a big cooler, mm-hmm. so that's not a problem. But then I have to keep icing in the cooler, and you know, we have changing temperatures outside, so like it's fine at night. Yeah, but 
It would need a week and a half. I wonder how long it would keep in the fridge. Would it keep a week in the fridge, do you think? I don't know. Probably, except we don't have the space for it. Ah, okay. So we need the cooler. Could you temporarily make space for it, knowing that it was not a permanent addition? I don't think so. Okay. Because we need that space for other Thanksgiving, upcoming related Uh, Thanksgiving things. Ah, yes, of course. So. That's tough. Yeah. Well, like I said, yeah, buying a cooler might not be a bad idea if you could justify it for other uses. I mean, I I have the cooler. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just just need to buy the ice. Yeah, buying ice, keeping track of it every day, making sure the neighborhood cats don't get into the cooler, Mm, put a bungee cord over top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, I just want to make sure the temperature is okay. But uh, I wonder how how quickly Trader Joe's sells out of these. No idea. I can tell you. I mean, obviously Atlanta is way bigger than Richmond, and we had a fuck ton of them. Yeah, on, maybe I'll on, call. Maybe I'll call them Friday. early next week. Yeah. Thanksgiving is so late this year. It's the latest it can possibly be. Yep. Stupid. It's the fourth Thursday in November. The first Thursday in November was the seventh. Right. Yep. <clears throat> that's the latest, it's latest possibly it be. possibly be in 20 which you know i i love thanksgiving thanksgiving is a plus holiday totally may- underrated maybe my favorite holiday and you know what I, I hate so i love i love christmas too i think christmas is great mm-hmm. but i feel like people who put up christmas stuff before thanksgiving are giving two double middle fingers to thanksgiving, to thanksgiving. and yeah. i do not appreciate that 100 percent with you fuck that and, but but the Friday is go nuts you know, light them up, get your yep. tree, make it happen. Everything. So the problem with that, though, is that so this year we are not going to be here for a lot of December. So we'll be right. we'll be visiting my mom for a bit. We're cool. visiting the in-laws for a bit, which means that we have basically two weeks where we see the Christmas tree and all the decorations. Yeah. Now, here's here's my question. I, I firmly believe that you should wait until the day after Thanksgiving to put up Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. 100%. To you... What is a reasonable amount of time after Christmas for everything to be up? Good question. Um, I think I think taking it down before New Year's is actually a little depressing. I think it's oh, fine, yeah. but um, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more lax by that. I I think uh, like a, a week, week and a half after New Year's is probably a good time to take it down. Because it, it, it's a it's a sucky job, unlike putting up Christmas decorations, which is you know fun, even though it's kind of crummy work because mm-hmm. there's cleaning involved and stuff. But you know, I uh, would think like that that first or second weekend after New Year's is like roll up your sleeves and get it done. You know? I fully support keeping all that shit up until like January thirtieth. Mm. February February is no good. Yeah, but <sighs> Jin, Jin, it's like a winter month, right? Like maybe take down your tree. But you can leave up all the rest of the, the Christmas decorations that you may have around your house, depending on, on how your house is decorated. But fuck it, like, t- January is this dead zone, this no man's land. So if you're already the in the winter, sp- winter spirit, why not leave all that good stuff up? January and February are absolutely the worst months in the year. Yeah. It's just cold. It goes it in, like, the blink of an eye, it goes from being, like, seasonally frosty to, like, drab, barren, yeah. depressing, just cold. <laughs> Um, so I get, I get what you're saying. Um, but I also like, I don't know if you, you got to keep, so Christmas works because it's special. Mm-hmm. If you can have your stuff up for two months. If it's up a sixth of the year, how special is it anymore? I don't have, I don't have a fundamental, I, I agree with your, like February is right out. Sure. 
but it's put well, you're you're pushing it as well. I I would compromise with like the twentieth. See, so I like was two uh, and a half weeks into January. Uh, I was gonna say like the fifteenth, <laughs> half halfway the month. I guess the the twentieth would actually be almost three weeks. Yeah. It can also um, because it it's a that's a suck job putting all that stuff away. That can definitely be a process of like mm-hmm. now, now oh. you know it may be one of those things where so Carrie usually puts up and takes down all the Christmas decorations and I know that will often be a just like breaking point like well if I'm going to do it I may as well just do it all yeah right like and and that's the thing around here too is that we have so much Christmas stuff and they're all packed intricately into boxes that mm-hmm. we can't. It doesn't make sense for us to take down the tree and not right. take down everything else because we're going to the attic anyway. We're pulling out everything. Yeah. Do you? So well, we have four Christmas trees, but for three of them, that we just have a bunch of Tupperware bins full of ornaments that are usually like have layers of uh, tissue paper to protect them. Mm-hmm. Except for my tree, where I have every single ornament in its original box. Yep. So it takes me forever to take we them ha- down and put them. We away. have a lot of original boxes too still and it's just like we actually uh ended up like breaking down some of the boxes so that we and then just wrapping them in tissue paper but i would say still have the boxes at least half of our stuff is still in boxes yeah if it was if it were a hallmark ornament yes that's it gets box especially some of mine like so some of them are like whatever but like deep space nine man it's got like these thin pokey things out i don't want i feel like that would just snap off if it wasn't in its massive box no i don't i don't judge you at all I actually just went to Target and brought a huge bin to put them in because I had them in a bunch of paper bags before and was looking at that. I was like, this is ridiculous. So, but it's coming. But yeah, don't let Thanksgiving pass you by, everybody. Yeah. And Drink, don't And don't, don't go to stores on Thursday. That's terrible. Oh, God, no. If you, no judgment if you're sitting there on Amazon... But if you like physically go to Target at eight or whenever it opens, I think that those are for terrible people. Agreed. All right, well it's time for the list. <laughs> Top five Thanksgiving sides. No, we, we can think about that. All right, um, <clears throat> low score podcast episode one hundred and five. Big episode one hundred and five with turkey and cranberry. Turkey, you're over there. Cranberry, you're over there. Blah. So I saw a funny thing. So someone recommended making your own cranberry sauce, but in oh, yeah. a cranberry can. Like, oh. so you still get the the shapes and the ridges. Yeah, I was hearing. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about like, yeah, you can make a cranberry and then put it into molds and stuff. I was like, who does that? Yeah, I like make put it in a like bun pan, make it like a Jello mold thing. I'm like, no, I make my cranberry and then that's it. I put it in a, like a yeah. Tupperware or whatever. Um. It's a big week. Massive. Ne- the, the next generation is no longer. It is the current generation. It is. It is it's not both. current and past gen. Or in current and next gen. It is it's now. Bi- it's by gen. gen. Yeah, it's by gen. God damn it. <laughs> I think I knew by gen in college. I wonder what happened to her. Was that one N or two N? <laughs> one hand or two hand. Um, yes. So the, the PlayStation 4 is out. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday the 17th. Uh, it's out as of Friday the 15th. Uh, on the 22nd, the Xbox One will be out. Um, 
So it's here. It's exciting times. It's exciting well, times. But do you have to wait to talk about it? Because we have other games to talk about first. I got a PS4. Spoiler. We'll talk about that after right. we've talked about all the other gen games. Current current gen? All right. Current gen games. So friend of the show, good friend of the show, Kevin, came down to visit. Spent a, a good few days with him. Friend of the show. Good friend of the show. And I asked, I was like, what do you want to do when you're down here? And so, you know, we came up with some stuff in the city and... You know, there's not a whole lot to do. But he's like, I really want to play some NES games. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Awesome. So we set up the stream, and he was just going through and looking at, like, every NES game that he didn't even recognize and just pull them out and put them in piles. Great. That's so fun. And, you know, about half of them work. Okay. No problem. You know, I, I need to get some rubbing alcohol and do some cleaning. Because I, I have mm-hmm. one of those retro duos, so it is... You know, it's oh, a it, it's the system. game, not the system. Yeah. Game, not the system. I hate the game, not the system. So played a bunch. Um, not going to talk about all those, but there were a couple that surprised me. So number one, I had never played Base Wars. Hmm. Uh, so this is the NES game where it's robots playing baseball. They were talking about it in the Giant Bombcast last week, which is funny because I had just played it. And I was like, that's... Right, randomly. <laughs> Because they were asking about, like, well, what if in baseball, like, you had to fight if you got to the bases? <laughs> and then um, uh, uh, Brad Muir was like, oh, there's that NES game like that, right? Totally is. So the way baseball works is it's all robots. And then if there is, like, a tie at the base or the base is close, then then it's a little fighting game. And, like, it's, like, Double Dragon style, just, like, punching and kicking. But there right. are different types of robots. So, like, maybe your your hitter is, like, a really strong person. You just, like, knock out the baseman. No problem. That's great. And then it goes back in the game. It is amazing. They need to bring it back. Uh, we played a bunch of other stuff. Oh, one of the games we played that really surprised me was called Desert Commander. And the game pops up, and I looked at it, and it just immediately said, this is Advance Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exactly what Advance Wars is. The the way that the map is set up, the types of units that are available, like, from, they didn't have, like, Rocketmen, but they had, like, infantry, light tank, heavy tank, transport, bomber, fighter jet. Yeah, this is cool. I'm looking up Google images of all these games to kind of get a sense of it. And yeah, absolutely. Like, attack, use your power, move, change. Yep. Move, change, attack range. Um when you go into combat, it goes to a separate screen, and then they're, both of the sides appear on it, and then they fire at each other, and then it removes them. There are ten units per, ten units per icon on the map. I mean, it's exactly Advance Wars, and so I hadn't realized that Advance Wars started out as Famicom Wars. Oh yeah. Now my question is, both of the like Famicom Wars and Desert Commander would have been in development at basically the exact same time. Mm-hmm. But they are so similar that hmm. I'm wondering what it was that was like the precedent that influenced both of them. And obviously, like Nintendo producing Famicom Wars is going to be like. A, so I had always thought like a Missile Madness was the early version of those type of games. Is mil- that Military Madness? No. Yeah, Military Madness. <laughs> military Madness is, I think, a year after that. I want to say that's oh. 89. Damn. This is 88. It's It's like somewhere in there. Because I also looked that up. So Military Madness is the TurboGrafx-16 game that is Advanced Wars, but on a hex grid instead mm. of a square grid. Um, but it was awesome. It's like we, we played through an entire round, two-player. 
you know, has music that changes each side. There are no like COs as there are in Advance Wars, but it's supposed to be based on um, the North African campaign of World War II. So, <laughs> kind of makes sense <laughs> that you wouldn't have superpowers, right? Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be Schwarzkopf uh, and and Rommel. So, anyway, it was awesome. I read his book. It- <laughs> a magnificent bastard um really surprising game you should go look it up just to see yeah man what it is we're really surprised we played some tiny toons adventures which i like that is a great game that's the nes tiny toons platformer right played some tiny adventures tiny toons adventures 2 which is not as good as the first game. Mm. It is based like it is a theme park. So it, you can like choose to go to different levels at each time. And okay. each level is a ride. Trouble in Wacky Land. Yeah, I've played this game. Yeah. It's not Yeah. Great. Yeah, kind of uninspired. But then we played the Super Nintendo game Buster Busts Loose. Yes. That is a fucking hell of a platformer. It's, it's gorgeous, number one. For a Super Nintendo game, the animation is all great. Oh, yeah. It's really colorful. Nice big sprites. Yeah, huge sprites. Um, Bust you just plays Buster the whole time, and you dive. You basically dive kick. Like <laughs> you jump up in the air and then you do like a backflip to like kick kick enemies. Yeah, kind of like an awkward hop type thing. It also has a dash button that can turn into a wall run. So if you start dashing, you can just like run up a wall. So there's a little bit of platforming, puzzle solving, that kind of stuff. We we beat that. It was fucking nice. great. And then I went back to one of my childhood games claymates which is by the same people that made clay fighter so using some sort of clay tech it's a platformer okay this is a super nintendo game this does not look as nice no it's really bad Uh (laughs) all of my fond memories from childhood were dashed in a matter of minutes it's really difficult sorry man yeah but it was fun just to pull out an old system and just go through junk i can't remember the last time I played old games like that. That should, would be really fun. Some cold mm-hmm. day, maybe I'll bust that. Out. I don't have the library that you do, but I've got you know a handful of games for a lot of the old systems. Yeah. So that was that was Nintendo. So okay, we have a couple things in common. I will just also say, yesterday, I uh, or yesterday Friday, whenever Kevin visited last week. Today's Sunday. Today Sunday. Whenever Kevin visited last week, we were sitting around and trying to decide what to play after playing Nintendo games and mm-hmm. looking at the co-op things we had on the shelf. I was like, hey, I have this Lego Harry Potter that I've been playing years one through four. Turns out two years ago when he visited, we played some Lego Harry Potter, I think. Hey. We, we either played that or we played the Pirates one. But right. you, you know I'm a huge fan of the Pirates, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So I played some Lego Par- uh, Harry Potter years one through four. And then I just like fell into it and i said i have to i have to make this happen oh, for myself in a really dumb way so if you are not familiar with the lego games they are full full of collectibles like stupid numbers of collectibles yeah so we talked about this i think it's because so the primary market for these games are going to be kids tweens mm-hmm. maybe so they're not going to be buying oodles and oodles of, of games so they want to jam pack it full of stuff so there are 200 gold bricks and 20 red bricks and there's four pieces of the house crest in each level and there are like 200 some odd character tokens. Okay. I mean yep. just to all all those possible collectibles. 
So I played through, beat the game. I found all the different like score multipliers. So when you pick up studs, they count at, towards your score, and you can spend them like cash. So by the time I finished, my score multiplier was like 3,000 or something like that. Because it stacks. So it was like times mm-hmm. two, times four, times six, times eight, times right. ten. Uh, I passed the 1 billion stud mark last night. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, I just need to get all the red the red things now. So I probably put an extra six, seven hours into that game beyond just beating it to collect a bunch of dumb shit. And yeah, it's a lot. That game is, is stupidly fun. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I got all the achievements that I can get reasonably without having to play through it again. Which okay, is not so, even half the achievements. Right, right. So you're so are you, is what I'm hearing. You have for you. You finished the game. I have finished the game. Okay. I'm done you're, with the game. You are done with Lego Harry Potter. All right, interesting. I put it put it back on the shelf. But man, that is a what really a hold, cool what game. What a hole to fall down. Good. <laughs> I recommend people. I still think the Pirates one is probably better. Yeah. Is there just one Lego Harry Potter, or do they break it up like break one it. to one to four, five to seven? Correct. Uh huh. So were you playing which one? One to four. Oh, no. So there's another one. There's another one. And guess what? I own it. Oh, damn it. It's on the shelf. But that is for another day. Okay. Another another life. I hope so. Especially since you're still playing through GTA V. Yes. Um, last week, I don't want to say I had unkind things to say about GTA V. Well, let's reverse. So last time we had played, I had finished the game, and I think you had completed the second... Uh, heist third heist third heist okay. okay so so that's about that's a little under halfway through um and and yeah you were you were kind of lukewarm on it lukewarm leaning positive but not yes. exactly you know it was i like this on. but this is not special for mm-hmm. me right um so this week Man, the, like the scripted stuff in that game, the actual missions, like the moments that are really thought out and planned out, so good, are so fantastic. And and again, some of the stuff you're telling good. me, like there's such a slow burn on some of the missions, especially the like what are the strangers and freaks missions, mm-hmm. missions that seem kind of boring. Like once you do like three or four of them, like pay off so well. Yeah, they do. Um, and that's not to excuse some of the dumb stuff about sure. them, but sure. if you're willing to put up with it, I I actually came around. So especially the, there's the, um, the TMZ paparazzi dude. Yep. And when I first like took his first mission, I was like, this guy is really annoying. Yep. I was like, when do I get to kill him? Like, when do I get to like punch him out? The last mission you do before you punch him in the face. I shot <laughs> least, him. I, I shot him dead. Oh, oh did you? Yep. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Guy's not ever going to give me my money. I fucking just bust it out like my SMG. It was great because like I, I wasn't quite paying attention when it ended, like when the little dialogue bit ended. And I was, so I was like kind of like walking away. Uh-huh. And he's just yelling at you and taunting you. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I was like, this guy's making me really mad. So I just, I just ran up and went, wham, just huge fists flying. Mission. Punch him to the ground. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. <laughs> I love because the game does not explicitly tell you to hit him. Right. You've just got to like figure it out after like three or four missions of taking pictures of him and getting nothing. This oh, is going nowhere. So good. So yeah, that that stuff is good. But those main storyline missions 
uh, anything that runs long enough where you have to switch back and forth between characters yeah. are so well thought out. So, so good. No wasted time. I think the last thing, last podcast, I had not done the bank heist yet. Right. Um, that, that, I think that is the fourth heist. Oh, is it? It's either the third or the fourth heist. I can't remember because... Maybe I, it is the fifth? I, I forget. The bank, well, so here's what I've done since. There are six heists, and I know that is not the sixth. I did that one. I just did something where I broke into a military facility to steal. Okay. Yep. Did that. Yep. Um, but other, like, other great missions. So what I love about Trevor in particular is that Trevor just says, all right, this is the dumb thing I'm going to do right now. Yep. There is no planning it out. There is, hey, Michael, come with me. And you're like, what, what is going on? And then you come to figure out Trevor's plan is to ride a dirt bike on top of a train and then crash the train. <laughs> and and it's because the game doesn't tell you what is going to happen, as ridiculous stuff happens, it is even more exciting. You're like, what, are we? Are we doing this? Are are we, we, how am I supposed to do this now? Like when Trevor takes off in an airplane is like, hey, there's a shipment coming in. I'm going to go get that shipment. And then you have to la- I'm, I won't spoil it, but like crazy shit like that makes that game so worth it so i just wish there were a way to streamline through the game such that there wasn't like downtime between the missions Mm -hmm. which is this weird paradox because it's it wouldn't work if it weren't an open world but it also needs something to like kind of just like move you from point to point and i don't know what that is uh i think we talked about this last time, how it seems like there's an open world game adjacent to this excellent single player experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that specific problem, if you could just fast travel to the start of missions, I think that would totally solve it. Yeah. I, actually, maybe that would be it. Because it's driving around that is the pain. Cause even, it's not- even that, I don't... Uh, it is inefficient, for sure. But I, I don't know. I liked the setting so much. Like, when I was oh, yeah. in it, when I was, like, really in the game, I didn't <laughs> love it so much. But there's no argument that it's slow. I'm and glad I'm glad you're coming around with the game. So you haven't finished it yet, right? I have not finished it. I'm I'm fifty how many missions are there? Sixty one? There are sixty nine missions. Sixty nine? I'm at like fifty three or something of sixty nine. Yeah. So Okay. You're closer than you think because remember like all the pre heist missions are missions. Okay. So like the final heist is like four missions like back to back real fast. I just returned the woman to the Mexican man, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Holy <laughs> crap. Such a good they, like uh, Stockholm syndrome Trevor quest. Their writing, the writing in that game is phenomenal, and the voice acting, yes, from from every character matches it perfectly. Like there are no poorly voice acted characters, as, as far as I can think of. And it's subtle. It's one of those things where you don't really notice how good it is until you step back and think about it. Like man, yeah, I was really paying attention and laughed, like genuinely laughing yeah. at so much of that game. So I've come around on GTA five. Yay. You should finish it. <clears throat> so we can talk about the ending. Okay. And yeah, I love that game. So you, we got two games on here that you'd played previously. Yeah. So I want to uh, talk a little bit more about a couple games, uh, metal gear rising revengeance. I am at the final boss of that game. And I can't remember the last time I played a game and got to the final boss and was just like, I don't think I can do this. Wow. Really? I don't think, I think this is too hard. I'm playing the game on normal. The last couple missions up to this were pretty doggone hard. 
I've YouTube watched a couple things. I was going to ask, because that seems like... I've read walkthroughs, and I've played them upwards of 30 times. Oh, my God. I just don't think I can do it. I think the only way I think I could do it is I've ended up making it to him without any, like, health packs or anything. So I may need to, like, replay some levels to try to see if I can get to him in a more skilled fashion. Okay. But it's just... The game is... It's a really great game and very, like, punishing if you do not execute combos and dodges correctly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just one of those things that's just too technically challenging. Like, no no apologies for if you are not figuring out our systems. Uh, it definitely feels like a me skill level thing and not like a poorly designed game thing. I think it's just like, no, he's hard. Huh. That is on purpose. So... I mean, I guess that's kind of refreshing. I guess, but I mean, it'd be um, nice to beat it. But yeah, I know. But I just was like, I don't. This is. Uh, I really want to finish it, but it's not. Yeah, I don't know if something I can do. So there's, there's that. Be warned. Maybe I'll come back to it. So I went back to DMC. Uh, this is the Devil May Cry remake from earlier this year. I talked about it last time. I've now beaten it. Reboot, not remake. Re- sorry, you're, you're right. It's a total reboot. Ninja Theory. Uh, this is one of the best <laughs> games I've played all year. Maybe one of the best action games I've ever played, ever. I That's, can't I can't say enough good things about this. If you're listening to my voice, you should buy this and play this. Uh, holy crap, is it fun. That is so like so surprising that I, an action game could still capture it, you in that way. It, it, everything they do with this game is right. It's the perf- It's 20 levels. It took me like 10 to 12 hours to play. Did not overstay its welcome. Tons and tons of items. And you're constantly getting upgrades for these items. Mm-hmm. And there's very rarely like a wrong way to play the battle. So if you like your style and the way you play can match the preferences of the items you have. The items are very much a push pull between like damage and speed. Okay. Uh, what, what, what do you prefer? Uh, I well, that's what's so great about it is it was like, all right, I'm surrounded by demons. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my super fast, super weak, but high range like saw blade things and shoot them out everywhere and basically stun them all. Okay. Like buy a little bit of time. Then I'm going to run over to the little guys and do my high damage weapons. Let's just get them out of here. I just don't want to worry about them anymore. Um, okay. Then I'm going to stun everybody again. There's these flying guys that are shooting arrows at me. So I'm going to get my like hook shot thing and I'm going to hook shot their shields off. Then I'm going to use my other hook shot, like with L trigger so I can go up to them and then hit them with my sword a whole bunch, which is like my medium weapon. Mm-hmm. Get them out, get take them out. All right. Then there's the like one or two big enemies. He's got a big chainsaw and does massive damage, so I've got to avoid him. He is slow, but I can only damage him from the back. So I've got to try to like work them against each other. Like see if I can while he's running at me with the chainsaw, maybe he'll accidentally run into the other enemy and hit them. Okay. Maybe I can like jump up, do a charge attack, and slam the floor to stun the big guy I can only hit on the back, so I can then run around him. The the game opens up like this is every encounter, like opens up all kinds of super fast frenetic opportunities like this, all while like crazy, ridiculous heavy metal soundtrack is playing in the background <laughs> and there's lights flashing. Uh, the sto- I, I talked a little bit about the story, and it gets like even more and more like the right kind of ridiculousness. Um, it's great. It, it's it's great. There's there's stuff in that game that makes the Decker's Die level 
of Saints Row the Third seem totally tame and like completely in the realm of plausibility. That's funny. <laughs> they are not <clears throat> afraid to like put you in the TV or like merge worlds or just be like, fuck it. This game is dumb. Let's go. Well, uh, so that actually reminds me what I'm thinking I want to say about GTA five is that they had finally brought like the stuff that was over the top and crazy about saints row that you were like, Oh, GTA four didn't do anything like this because it was too serious of a game. Right. GTA five was able to bring back some of that crazy and yet make yep. it work. Um, in a in a positive way, yeah. The, like you're gonna do this mission on drugs. Yeah. Uh, I I completely agree. Yeah. So Devil May Cry is technically fantastic, very good level of difficulty, totally bananas. It's really interesting. Uh, I mean, I heard I heard good things uh, about it, but it, it it is hard to understand until you just play it and see the level of polish and quality and how fast it moves. Not a, again, not a second of wasted time in that game. You were just in it all the time immediately. There's, there's collectibles and leveling up and stuff. If you're into that. Um, I, when I finished it, the DLC and stuff was half off. I bought the Virgil DLC. Yeah, that, at, that game is half off right now on Xbox Live. It is, yes. You should buy it until Tuesday. Everybody well, should buy it. I don't know how much it costs on disc, but if you wanted the digital version. It, it's old enough where it goes on sale pretty frequently on Steam and Gamefly and stuff. But f- for $20 or less, that is an immediate immediate purchase for mm-hmm. your system of choice. I loved it. Man. Loved it. Kind of make me want to play it. You can borrow it. <clears throat> you, should, you should get it. I feel like I have a couple of your games still. Okay. Well, anyway, people should get it and play it and borrow it. Yeah. Have fun. Rad. Real quick, I played the first episode of Fables, The Wolf Among Us. What? What is this? This This is... The I know new... nothing about this. I okay. just know the words. This is the new Telltale game. Okay. Remember how Telltale had a lot of success taking an indie comic book series and making an adventure game out of it? Oh, The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. They're doing that exact same thing again. Okay, so the, Fables Fables is a, a comic book? Fable, okay, yes. Fables is a comic book series. Um, it's been around uh, about the same time as The Walking Dead. Uh, the premise is that, all right, all of the fairy tale characters you know, mm-hmm. we're going to use those stories as canon. Okay, so those all, all that stuff happened. Okay. So in Fables, they posit that all of those happened in like an interconnected like uh, in a bunch of interconnected universes. So they're all like, so our world has like connections to like, I don't know, the Alice in Wonderland world, but that's a different world. And there's this guy called the adversary who he went and conquered all of these lands. Okay. That is a very adversarial thing to do. He's very adversarial. So all of these, all of the like fables, the, so people like the big bad wolf, and Snow White or whatever are refugees in our world. Our world is special because there's no native magic and like the adversary cannot come in. So they formed in New York City a block, just like a, a city block where they all live. And then they also have a location in upstate New York called the farm where that is where if you cannot, if you don't look human, you have to go live there because otherwise you'll blow our cover. But it is also like nice, and there's some resentment for the people who live there. So upstate New York. So this is based on on real life. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, everything. So everything else is like they're just they're just in the real world. Uh, 
as the comic book has progressed, we like find out more about the adversary and who it is. It's one of the best reveals ever, so please don't look it up. If you have any interest, you should read the story. Okay. Um, they start bringing in, like, uh, there's, like, a whole Arabian Nights storyline where there is, like, a, like, a Baghdad equivalent of Fable Town, like, in real Baghdad, but huh. it is, like, Fable's Baghdad, which is pretty neat. They've started introducing, like, Asian mythology and stuff, um, and the idea was that for, for, for this thing to work... They made what's called the Fable Town Compact, which absolves you of any crimes in the pre-Fables world. So they basically agree, like, we're, we're going to start over. We're all in this boat together. So Big Bad Wolf, like, the, the pigs cannot get mad at you for the shit that went down for, for your cool. past transgressions. But obviously cool. that's, that still happened, so they still, like, fucking hate him. Right. Um, there's all kinds of interesting things. Like, uh, uh, I think I've said before, like Prince Charming, how like Prince Charming appears in a bunch of different stories. So it turns out in Fables mythology, that is the same guy. And he's just like a philandering asshole and huh. who would like court, can, court ladies and then like ditch out. Can he go between universes or? Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. So the, the universes are connected. So like he, he would like go between them through like. Oh. They don't ever like get too specific on that. But there's basically like a wormhole, like yeah, a portal we, between universes. Totally. There's like okay. portals or whatever. Who cares? But it's it's <laughs> to explain. It's it's a loose way of explaining like why don't why are the fairy tales happening in their own worlds? Why do they have like different monsters and mythology? But okay. we can also like make it all work together. It's mainly just to make it funny. Cool. Or like Jack, like Jack Frost, Jack and the Beanstalk, Jack Spratt, same Jack, same guy. <laughs> And the way they explained that Jack was, was so nuts that it inspired its own spinoff, like on its own. That's now done, but um, he was pretty great. He's, a, he is, sounds cool. It's awesome. It's like it's super well done. Um, it has provided a great springboard for all these stories. Like characters you thought were good or bad, characters you thought were bad or good. Um, anyway, it's great. So the this game, much like The Walking Dead is set very, very, very early in the comic book mythology. Um, though unlike The Walking Dead, it stars existing characters. You play the role of Big B Wolf, who is the big bad wolf in human form, um, who is the sheriff of Fable Town. <laughs> okay. He's gotten this role. Um, other uh, people, elected officials. Uh, so uh, King Cole, he's the mayor. Ah, Deputy, and a very old soul. He's a very old soul. Um, <coughs> Deputy Mayor is Snow White, uh, and you, so you, anyway, you will meet a bunch of these characters. So uh, it uses this existing mythology, but it's set early on in the comic mythology, so no previous knowledge is required, and it's a brand, brand spanking new story. Uh, it is a mystery story, so there's a murder at the very, very beginning, and you need murder. to figure it out. So. Um, again, the gameplay is exact is straight up telltale. You're at a location. You're asking people for clues. You're picking up items, using items on things. Um, there's some quick time actiony events like there were in the walking dead. Mm -hmm. It's got that cell shady cartoony look. It looks fantastic. Um, and the first episode was like three or four hours long. So from a structural perspective, um, the, the content while inspired by a comic book, the thematically couldn't be much different. 
But in terms of gameplay, it is at that same level of quality and storytelling and action. Interesting. Okay, so here's here's a question then. Mm-hmm. I can now get a sense of what this is. So is the reason that people aren't rant, like raving about it at this point because... Like we've already they've already done the Walking Dead that one game of the year like that has had its time and like now another repeat of something like that genre is just not going to capture the creative imagination of people like I think there's a couple reasons so one you are absolutely right that is a reason this is no longer new this is this is this doesn't you know Telltale games had been kind of good before Walking Dead solved a lot of technical issues and mm-hmm. the storytelling was at another level this is at that same level so it's not by its nature is probably not going to be as impressive in the same way that if the walking dead two comes out and is as good, it won't be as impressive. Okay. Two, um, when the walking dead game came out, the show was a massive smash success. Sure. So when you say there's a walking dead game and then it's fantastic, it's right. Holy right. shit. That's incredibly impressive because licensed video games usually are poop. So this, obviously this is, um, well for an independent comic book, Although it's it's published by DC, but it's um, creator owned. Fables is is very well known in terms of like comic book people, mm-hmm. but we're talking about an extremely small sure like, audience on its own. So there's definitely that. Um, and uh, the third part, I think there's only one episode out, and um, it's a mystery story, right? So I thought the first episode was fantastic and did a good job, but you know. That that might not hold for four episodes. Okay. Um, and I don't know. I remember The Walking Dead getting good buzz as it was going on, but I don't remember it really exploding until it was kind of all done in one big meaty package. Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of true about it. I just it seems to me that for everyone that lauded The Walking Dead, then those people would come out of the woodwork again to say, "Yes, they they've done it again." Yeah. And and that just hasn't happened in the same way. Which, which to me is actually kind of a good thing because the way people went insane for The Walking Dead, I felt was maybe a little overblown. Not sure. to say that it wasn't deserved, but um, I, I'm glad to see that everyone who's like, "Yeah, our time has come," is now like, "Yeah, whatever, whatever's the next thing." We'll just yeah, yeah. The, the 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 industry continues on and everything continues on the same way. So. Right. Uh, I'm you know. I am a huge audience because I love the Fables comic book. Love, sure. love, love it. Um, so, and and I just like I love the Walking Dead comic book. So, seeing you know when when this was announced, I was doing backflips, and now that it's out, it kind of you know has come out in the shadow of all these consoles and stuff. And and you know the very successful Walking Dead game, but people should play it. People should buy it. It's five bucks an episode. You can buy the whole thing for twenty bucks on Steam and PlayStation and mm-hmm. Xbox and all that all that good stuff. So. It's great. And you should read the Fables comic book. Fables is great. There's like a ton of it. We're on volume 19 now, I think. Wow. I, I buy it in trade paperbacks. I just, like I've always said, comics is the one thing that I just can't get into because there's so much of it you got that, yeah, like of all the things I have in my life, I just can't prioritize comic books. I'm brutal on my, so I buy probably be a half dozen series in trades. And I have about 12 books I buy on a monthly basis, and mm-hmm. I am brutal. If if a series starts to go downhill, I cancel it. I'm like, not worth my money or time. Sure. It's a lot of money. It's a good... Yep. Yeah, it's expensive. So you okay. want to talk Bioshock? Yes. We both played Bioshock. Let's talk Bioshock. 
can I get my my rage out of the way first? Oh, okay. and and then oh. we can talk Bioshock. Is, my, is this Bioshock related or? Yes, this is what I was texting you about. All right, I'll I'll bite my lip. You go. The, the night of Bioshock. Okay, we're so, talking about Bioshock Infinite Burial at Sea, the first half of the single player DLC that just came out. Yes, so story DLC for Infinite. Um. Typically, the way that a season pass for something works is you get a bunch of content for one fixed price, which is to say that if you were to buy all that content or most of that content, then like it totally worth whatever the asking price of the season pass is. Right. You're, you're basically paying upfront for content right. that will, if individually purchased, you're getting a bulk discount. You're getting a bulk discount. Um, I, I had not paid close enough attention. Number one, I didn't realize that Burial at Sea was a two-parter thing. So there's that. Um, number two, I, you know, hadn't popped in the disc when I went to buy Burial at Sea. So I just bought it from the Xbox homepage. And so I was like, okay, so this thing is 15 bucks. That makes sense for a game. That's probably going to be like six, seven hours long. Cause like just didn't even pay attention to the words part one. like, it says part one on it. It didn't make sense. So paid 15 bucks for it come to find out that the season pass costs 20 dollars so you get both episodes of burl at sea plus clash in the clouds and then like a weapons pack or something for bioshock that's correct yeah you get four things for 20 dollars or one episode for 15 so i want to say right now absolutely furious at I don't know, myself, the world, everything, the confluence of things that made me pay $15 for this. And then I'm going to pay another 15 for the next one. So I'm going to get two episodes for $30 and get none of the other stuff where I would have gotten everything for 20. I don't know. Right. Cause now, <laughs> even if you bought the season pass, that ends up being $5 more. Right. And I'm not going to play clash in the clouds. Right. I'm probably not either. So I have it now. Right. Um, I just, I was just so, so pissed at that. Is, it's it's weird. Is that your fault or is that the game's fault or is that both? Or it's, it's, a, it's a weird, so it's definitely my fault because I did not look to see how much the season pass cost. Mm-hmm. Assuming that like in previous things, you buy a season pass when you want everything. Otherwise, if you buy just uh, half of what the season pass is offering or two things out of season, what the season pass is offering, it's probably going to save you money. Uh, Part it is also that a season pass was not offered like on the Xbox homepage. So like I said, I did not put in the the game. I just saw the little buy burrow at sea right now. And it took you to that page, fifteen bucks, press OK. So mm. I, I paid for it. Um It just yeah, a confluence of things. I, it's mostly me to blame. So anyone who wants to say that I'm not taking my share of this. Uh, I'm saying yes, it is mostly my fault, but there are reasons that it is my fault. And I was furious. I had to like go outside and take a walk. I was so mad because I was, Oh damn. I was texting Jay and like I came down and I went downstairs and I told my wife like what had happened. She's like, Oh, you know, it's, it's okay. It's just a game. And I was like, no, no, it's not. This is Principal. bullshit. This it's is- like, that's 10 bucks. I should have. Yeah. Like I'm going outside. Like I wouldn't like outside in a t-shirt and it was like 40 degrees. I just like paced up and down. <laughs> yeah. Um, unreasonably angry. And I had not been drinking, so I can't blame that. Ah, uh, which usually I can be like, Oh, well I overreacted. Like, yeah. No, this is just like to my core hurt me, but bro, that's the part one. Yes. So 
If you don't know what Burial at Sea is, and we'll keep it relatively spoiler-free. Sure. Um, but the premise is, uh, this is a two-part, the first part of a two-part single-player DLC add-on for Bioshock Infinite. Uh, you play as Booker DeWitt, the main character from Bioshock Infinite, but it is set in Rapture, the setting from Bioshock 1. Yes. Um, and Elizabeth is also in it, and you actually play as her in the second part. Huh. Yes. That, okay, that makes sense. Um, which is cool. So you never play as her in Bioshock Infinite. Right. So and and um, so I don't know if we ever see Booker DeWitt, but Elizabeth uh, in this game is noticeably older than she is in uh, Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't really realized that, but she is certainly less like she's cartoonishly like a, round. Yeah, she's uh, not an old maid or anything, yeah. but she looks older. Hmm. I don't think I had realized that at all. Which it doesn't really matter to the. Mm, well, yeah. 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 Maybe. It does not have an impact, even if it matters narratively. Right. So um, if you play Bioshock, this is set be, uh, chronologically before the events of Bioshock, meaning before everything went to shit in mm-hmm. Rapture. So uh, it takes place New Year's Eve, uh, 1958, which is an important day uh, in Bioshock's history. And um, you know everything's clean and bright and pristine, kind of the same way Columbia looked. With a party going on and and people and shops open and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, so you you begin the game. Elizabeth comes, because Booker DeWitt, as we know from Infinite, is a a detective, private detective. Right. And she comes and she's like, hey, we need to find, we need to go find Sally. And so, Right, which is interesting, because in Bioshock Infinite, you know, right, you're a detective. um, you've, You've gotten hired to go find Elizabeth at this point. Right. But here you actually see her come in and present to you the case. So we're starting a little bit back, like you're in your office. Yep. Um, so the the first part of it is a, like, walking around, soaking in the atmosphere. What does Rapture look like when it was all nice and pristine? Mm-hmm. Things are going on. It's a little hunting hunting peck or i don't know what to describe but like oh it's, we, we it's bioshock i mean it's it's that beginning it's the exploration part of bioshock sure without the combat right yeah. like do you remember the first hour of bioshock infinite it's like that yes there was yeah there was no combat the first hour of bioshock nope. so it begins the same way so it is you trying to figure out where you need to go so that you can uh find this missing girl mm-hmm. um and then once you once you accomplish that you get sent down you meet uh, who's the character? Uh, Xander Cohen. Yes. So you'd recognize him from Bioshock as being the guy with the rabbit mask, uh, the crazy artist. So he sends you down to the depths of the sea, which is where like, they have cast off some of like Frank Fontaine's buildings, department stores, like things he had owned. Right. Uh, if, so if you remember from Bioshock, the big feud between Andrew Ryan and Frank Fontaine, we're seeing a little bit of that. Actually, Frank of that. Fontaine. Frank Fontaine. Um, yeah, and that's that is where the combat parts begin, which yes. is interesting. So, one of the things about Bioshock Infinite that works is that you have the sky hook, mm-hmm. so that you can like zoom around. It would make sense for a place that has a bunch of floating islands um, to have a transport system between them. So they have found kind of a way for the sky hook sky hook to fit inside of rapture like in an indoor setting um and it and it kind of works and it kind of doesn't like i i I don't know how to solve that problem if you want to put it inside um but it is it is all the same mechanics you know well you you mean you mean the air grabber right oh yeah the air grabber 
which is yeah they call it a different thing in this universe and make uh-huh. a reference to like oh skyhook yeah that that's an interesting plot point and it does a good way of reminding you, know, dip- you reminding you kind of who knows what and that hey we're talking about infinite worlds here remember this is still called bioshock infinite not bioshock correct um and yeah so but but it's so tying those together in a story way is interesting and also like mechanically like this is the bioshock infinite combat in rapture correct like from there's a couple new um tonics which are both pretty good what what are the new tonic is it the freezing one the new freezing, tonic the freezing one's new i couldn't remember oh sorry there's one new tonic the freezing one's new and then that like radio gun thing is new oh yes can can i admit something sure I'm not positive, and I would have to go back and look at the footage. I don't think that I knew when I was playing Bioshock Infinite that I could have more than two guns. What? I thought that I was swapping guns. Like Halo style? Like Halo style. You're kind of I'm, an idiot. I'm pretty sure that There's I that never whole radial menu. pulled up a radial menu for that. Like maybe but my memories are distinctly like okay here like i need to have a shotgun and a machine gun or no I, no, no, no not, not at all at all nope. not at all dude which is dumb because you hold the left bumper to bring up the radio manual for the tonics yeah so anyway really really dumb if that's the case but I'm, wait a minute maybe you could only have two guns but you kept your ammo for all the other ones because i yeah i think i remember that too i remember uh, holding on to like the the carbine, the carbine all the time right yeah yeah okay. maybe that is true god if that's i hope so because i, would I feel think like that a total is idiot. true yeah because you definitely have like all kinds of guns phew yeah wait a minute it's been too long since i played infinite now i was like as i saw that i was catching myself yeah i'll have to go and like look at a youtube video or something to see but anyway, impressions of this game i i was disappointed in it i i i thought it was very okay and i think i know why what did you think of it I thought it was a little better than okay, mm-hmm. but in the same way that I had a problem with that uh, Borderlands 2 really short DLC, short DLC is just like not doing it for me. You know, this I, this is maybe what, two and a half hours, if that? Yes, I would say two and a half hours th- is, is spot on. Yeah. Um, I just, I did not feel and, satisfied by the end of it. No, <laughs> and, and to be fair, it markets itself as part one, though they are charging $15, which is quite a bit of money. That's a lot uh, for... You, your your experiences aside, like kind of with the discount available, um, you know, ten would have been okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it ends. It has a nice ending. It definitely feels like it doesn't feel like the story's over or anything. But like big stuff happens. Like there's a big like whoa. Yeah, when it ended, I was like, oh, that's cool. Right. Like that's an end. Um, I, I think that Bioshock is all about discovery. And learning about things. And I'm privy to so much information coming in. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm in Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Me and, well, in Bioshock Infinite, let's say, me and Booker are in the same place. We know the same amount. Right. I'm now in a place where I know way more than Booker does. Yes. Tons. Like, I. Because bi- not only do you know about Infinite, but you also know about Bioshock. Right. So, Rapture's not a new place to me. I know who Frank Fontaine is. Um, or, you know, uh, you know, whatever I, I know, I know who the little sisters are. Um, when Elizabeth gives hints about, uh, Columbia or I'm having these like weird flashbacks to things. I know all about all that stuff. Right. I'm, you're, uh, you're having, f- 
you're having weird flashbacks where Booker the character doesn't know what he's seeing, but you right. know what he's seeing. Right. And, and it just doesn't quite play correctly. It doesn't quite play right. And it's weird because in the game, Booker has been in Rapture for some time. He can't tell you how long. There's right. definitely that same like memory thing going on with There Was a Bioshock Infinite. But in both Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, you are entering these worlds whole cloth. You have no idea, you know, to mm-hmm. any of them, like, to what it, what's going on. So that like fundamental construct is is different and obviously different doesn't necessarily mean bad but but it for me took away a lot of that that sense of discovery i thought was missing yeah um i I actually found myself liking it more when the combat part started since i did kind of like the bioshock infinite combat yeah and found it to be pretty challenging actually i did so i have to say that the beginning part where you're walking around and just trying to find the items i i appreciated that it was nice to see rapture in that you know pristine state um it definitely did improve when the combat begins, but you know, I th- both you and I actually like the combat of Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, especially yeah. the the mix between using your plasmids and using the weapons and and coming up with strategies and that stuff even more so than in Bioshock Infinite just does not play itself out well because it kept prompting me. It's like, oh, you know, use the electrocution or whatever on the right. water. I'm like, Shock well, there's jockey. no shock jockey you shock jockey on water but like there's no real puddles for you to stand like people are standing in you know you just don't get that that puzzle sense of fitting these pieces together that's Um, what's so impressive about minerva's den i think i've said this before how they jam that entire experience of getting like by the end of that dlc you have all the weapons and all the plasmids mm -hmm. in a very short but but like well balanced amount of time i need to play that still so good i'm such an idiot i need to play it um I do not think it was as bad. So one person I saw commented that this seemed like it was Bioshock fan fiction. No, I, that was dumb. I yeah. completely disagree. Yeah, I don't think it was that bad, but it just wasn't as fully realized as it should be. I would say. And the mysteries are still unsolved. Like there's a lot we'll know after right. the second part that we don't know right now. You know, I, I would I would recommend to most people wait until they're both like $5 on sale after both of the episodes are out. I would at least say, wait till they're both out to play it. I think that'll be a more satisfying experience. And, and, you know, maybe 10, if you're buying the season pass, 10 each would be reasonable if you're playing both of them together. I don't know if you've seen Bioshock infinite is going for a song nowadays. I feel like every week something pops up like, you can buy Bioshock infinite for like 12 bucks. Yeah. But it's always on steam. It is always on steam, man. If you don't own that game though, I don't know what you're doing. Oh no, you're right. Because it was on Gamefly sale. Super cheap. Right. Right. Yes. Um, you know, I I felt the thing that made made me want to do was go replay Bioshock. That <laughs> yeah. is that is what I wanted to do after totally. the game was done. Bioshock still good. man. Bioshock one, you mean? Yeah, that game is so worth replaying. So much fun. I would like, I would like to replay that game with you. Like, I yeah. just like sitting on a couch trying to do it, beat it on hard without using Vita Chambers or whatever. Oh. You've done that, haven't you? No, I I beat it on hard, but not without Vita Chambers. Yeah. I mean, that is just a matter of, like, a lot of reloading. Yes. Like Although you, it's still, like, you still have to beat the stuff. Right. Like, you, you can't ever just, like, brute force your way through because, like, people regenerate health. So mm-hmm. it's not a walk in the park. But, right. But, yes, the infinite respawn does make it doable, for sure. Um, yeah, that's, that's infinite. So, t- time for the meat. Time for the meat. Jay, you bought a PlayStation 4. I did. I bought one. I have one. Amazon brought it to my house. It's here now. So last time we went through the games that you're going to end up with, 
Yep. Did what games did you end up with? I ended up with Assassin's Creed Four, Black Flag, and Killzone. Uh, Shadowfall is the subtitle. Wasn't it a buy two get one free sale? Yeah. Okay. So before this, I I had gone back and forth. Uh, let's re- really rewind. So Amazon and Target, and much places had a buy two get one free sale. I only wanted one game, Assassin's Creed Four. Mm-hmm. The rest of the launch lineup is pretty weak. So as launch lineups go, yeah. yes. It's- so arguably, the second best, maybe best other game would be Battlefield Four. Okay, mm-hmm. this game has gotten extremely well reviewed. It's supposed to look incredible on the next gen systems. This seems like a logical choice. I did not want it for a couple reasons. I knew the Battlefield Three campaign was not great. And I just know me, I'm not going to spend a lot of time playing an online multiplayer shooter. Just not. I just, I know this about myself now. It's not a genre I can get into. So I dismissed that for myself. A lot of the other games are sports games, Call of Duty, uh, same problem as Battlefield. Although even now this year, the campaign got pretty poor reviews. Sure. I don't want that. So I kind of looked and said, well, if I'm going to get a gush darn PlayStation, I should I should check out the console exclusives, right? Mm-hmm. First party titles. So that means uh, there's only two: Killzone, Shadowfall, and Knack. Knack, Knack. So uh, I actually placed an order with all three of these games. Immediately after I did this, the reviews for these games came out. Now, not surprisingly, Killzone, Shadowfall got pretty middling reviews. Um, Killzone's sure. never been an extremely well reviewed franchise. It's always been kind of the Chasing the Halo flag of Xbox. And it got a lot of 7s, a lot of 8s. I wasn't too surprised about this. Remember, this was not a game. Were there not a sale, I would not have bought this game anyway. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't really a problem. Like, okay, well, it still should be a nice graphical showpiece. Um, it's a you know got a good and lengthy single-player campaign. I'll have some fun with it. Yeah. That seems like a game to buy. Now, Knack... Um, did not get middling reviews. <laughs> No. <laughs> Knack got like threes and fours. Some would call those bad reviews. Terrible reviews. Now, I was pretty surprised by this. Again, I did not expect this to be the world's best game. Sure. But it's made by, you know, Mark Cerny was the lead on it, who is the kind of driving the hardware decisions that the PlayStation 4 was making. Um, has an excellent track record involved uh, in a big way with uh, Spyro and uh, I believe Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank a little bit. He's uh, had a very little involvement in the first Uncharted. He's kind of, you know, kind of graduated after launching. Oh, and Crash Bandicoot. So after, like, Crash and Spyro became kind of this, like, advisory guy on the PlayStation software side. Mm-hmm. Fairly good track record. So I was expecting at least, you know, a, a solid platformer experience. I would have guessed the same kind of seven, eight reviews. You know, that kind of, like, good but boring kind of type of thing. No, people said Knack was terrible. So I canceled my Knack order. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> I had to actually talk to their customer support because it would not let me cancel it. Oh, because um, it was like prepared to ship or whatever? Yeah. And and the <clears> way it worked was, uh, no, it, it was not prepared to ship. That's why I thought it, there would be no problem. Killzone had shipped and I got $20 off. And then when Assassin's Creed 4 shipped, I did not get anything off, which makes sense since the deal was gone. But at least I got a little bit of a discount. Okay, so... That's good. I thought you were paying full price for those other two games once you... No. I spent... It cost $100 to get $120 worth of game, which is fine by me. Yeah, sure. It would have been $120 to get two games and a game I would never play. Yeah. So... Makes sense. So already, 
a bit of a pull on uh, PS4. But anyway, but they all came on time. Thank you, Amazon. In great shape. So let's go through some of the different things you might want to know about the system. Let's talk about hardware. I think the PlayStation 4 is a cool-looking piece of hardware. The, like, slanty look mm-hmm. um, looks great. I've got it standing up. That looks fine. Uh, in size-wise, it is a little bit smaller than the 360 Slim. Wait, it's a little smaller than that. Yeah, it's not nearly as tall. It's maybe a little wider, but it's hard to tell. Um, I would have assumed it was bigger. It's definitely, like, a little shorter. But it's, it's huh. uh, honestly, all in all, a fairly comparable size. Um, the, uh, I guess probably time to talk about the controller. The controller is as good as everybody is saying. That's so good to hear. It is fucking phenomenal. Every game I've played, it's been outstanding. Let's talk about, I've got a PS3 controller here, the DualShock 3 and DualShock 4. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the differences in the So, I think the, the DualShock 3, it's basically a DualShock 2, but it's not as good because it's not as heavy, and I think the joysticks are a little looser. Yeah. And, oh, it's got the squishy um, uh, L1, L2, R1, L2 buttons. Right. I think this is a poop controller. Let's talk about the differences. Uh, the PS4 controller is heavier. It's not heavy, but it's got a little bit of heft to it, which I like. Does it does it charge, again, with USB to the yes. system? Okay. Yes. So that is kind of a negative. So when you put the system, when you turn the system off and put it in standby mode, it will charge while plugged in. Does it have rumble? Yes. As rumble, it will charge while it's onto the cord that comes with it is extremely short. My couch yep. is quite close to the TV, and I cannot sit on my couch while it is plugged in. I, I have the same same problem with the old one. So, um, yeah, it, it's exact same length as PS3, which sucks because the Xbox charging controller is long as shit. I can yeah. you can buy a ten foot USB to mini USB for like six dollars. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy that. I just bought one of those. Yeah, just in general. But. The the joysticks are incredible. So let me see if you can see. There's a little bit of a recession in there. Yeah, like a divot. Yeah, so the, the joysticks are actually a little bit smaller than the DualShock 2 and 3. There's a divot in there for your thumbs. Um, they're a smidgen further apart than they were. This controller is just a little bit wider hmm. than the um, PS4 or the PS3 was. They they And they're much... They, they're not as loose. They're much tighter. That's because that was always the problem with playing any shooter, anything with aiming, even Uncharted's, was that those things were just too loose to accurately move around a cursor. Playing Killzone, playing Assassin's Creed, they're fantastic. They're just extremely responsive. Clicking in feels nicer. They, they it, it feels like it takes a little bit more give. Like in between the like super loose L three button on the DualShock three and uh, the like, I find it hard to do that on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. Like it feels kind of just right. Um. The buttons on the right seem pretty much the same. They've gotten rid of the, like, plus designs, and it's just flush with the background, which I think is more of a style design than a function design. Can I see that? Will you hold it up? Yeah. Um, If you can see, it's just completely flat. Okay. Versus, um, let me hold up the PS3. You can see the plus indentation I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yes. I see. Um, (coughs) The D-pad feels a little bit higher up. Also very responsive. I don't know how much you can use Is it the same shape D-pad with the... It is. Kind of like the four 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 individual... Arrows pointing in Yes. Yeah. Same thing they've had since the PS1. Um, The grips are very nice. There's a little bit of a a texture to the back of the controller, so it it feels very comfortable. Um, There's a speaker on 
the controller like the Wii had, but the Fidelity is actually pretty good. The only game I've played that uses that is Resogun, and not for like j- just an aesthetic thing where the like lady voice when there's a new enemy or level starting up comes mm-hmm. out, which is pretty cool. Let's talk about the triggers. The triggers are very, very different. Um, so uh, they they just I don't know they just feel good. They 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 have a nice click to them. The like pressures on the on the back of the L two and R two button. They're much more triggery and less rounded, um, and also a little bit. They they take more give to push down than the PlayStation Three controllers. Does. I'm gonna show you kind of what it looks like from the side view. Okay, you can see there's a little lip yeah. there. Um, I don't know. So you know, going from playing five Assassin's Creed games on the Xbox to playing this sixth one on the PS3, like no hiccups at all. Just not no, not a problem whatsoever. Yeah. So let's talk about the biggest changes, and that would be in the middle. So there's no longer a start and select button. Those buttons are completely gone. What? So, the, I yeah, this actually, I hadn't paid enough attention about this. I knew there was, like, this touchpad thing, and I was kind of like, whatever. So um, it, where that was, there's now this giant touchpad. Okay. Which is also a button. Okay. So Is it easy to click? Yeah, super easy to click. Okay. Just, Look over it. In fact, like I actually find it's nice. Like when you're playing and you don't want to look down, you just p- press it. People seem to be using that as like pause. Okay. Like that as like start. Like that. That seems to be the use of that. To the right uh, and left, there are tiny buttons. So to the left, there is an options button, which it like will pull up menus and stuff like that. That that tends to be kind of taking the place of select, I guess. Um, and, and like in Assassin's Creed, it brings up the big menu. So in Assassin's Creed 4, pushing the big middle button brings up the uh, map. Pushing up options brings me like the whole like sub menu. Okay. Okay. I find it a little bit hard to get to. It is small and easy to miss. I finally I find I need to look down and use it, hmm. which is a little annoying. It's not a huge deal, I guess, because that's never like something you're going to need to access quickly. But it would be time. nice. To the left, there is a button of exactly the same size and ovular shape that just says share. This is the button. you. There's a dedicated physical hardware button I push when I want to broadcast to Twitch or Ustream. That actually surprised me. I, for some reason, I would have assumed that the share button would be like on the top of the controller somewhere that you don't need to immediately access it. Yeah. No, it's right there. Like, boop, and then the share menu immediately comes up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> charging cable goes on the top. There's a big light. You can see here that it's not lit up because it's not plugged in. Uh, that lights up. It, it's got the same kind of opaque white color that the move controllers do and lights up the same way that the move controllers do. It's usually blue as player one. And when you play as different games, it will light up different colors. Where is uh, the charging? Does the charging cable come out of the top or the bottom on the PlayStation, the, the DualShock 3? It comes out of the top. So that's the next thing. The port for charging is right at the bottom here. But I'm, I'm saying on the other one. Uh, same place. Oh, okay. The top. I don't... Yeah, good. I don't like cords that come out of the bottom. Yeah. No, that sucks. That's a good thing. Um, there is... Uh, there's two ports on the bottom. One is a mic jack. Just a regular old mic jack. Uh, um, and it comes with a um, mono out headphones. Apparently, that is the reason... The, when I had the Apple headphones in, mm-hmm. where it, why it was so junk, janky, I think this is a mono-only port. Okay, so you'd have and to... So when I plugged in stereo headphones, it, like, freaked out. That's weird. It seems like you'd be able to handle that, but... Yes. Um, it didn't screw me up, 
like on my end, but it um, like the on the stream there was yeah it was like freaking out. Pause. Um, there's another port here that says uh, XT extension ext. I don't know what this is for. Okay, it's tiny. You can see it. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, yes. Hmm. The wide one. I don't know what that's for. And then there's the the PlayStation button, which works the same way as it did on the PS3 and the Xbox. The home button, yeah, right? guide button. Just, it bring yeah, it brings up the UI, the like system UI, not the game UI. So that's all right. That's hardware talk. Okay, let's talk about the UI. Tell me about the um, UI. It's okay. It looks like kind of like they'd polished up the PlayStation Three UI. Is that that's yeah. the sense I get from seeing uh, videos of it? It looks like. They've stripped out a lot of nonsense. There's fewer options across the cross-media bar, which is good. But that same, like, sense of navigation is there. Like, that that has not... There's not a fundamental change. It is an iterative improvement. Um, It's super, super fast. It is snappy as hell. That's good. Um, I I had some problems Friday night when I was downloading a whole bunch of stuff and PSN was boned. And I saw them have the exact same problem on the Giant Bomb live stream. Jeff was talking about, like, I downloaded a bunch of games and, like, the UI was fucked while it was downloading that. Mm. Um, but then it got super snappy again. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how this looks when I have a whole lot of games in there. But what's smart is the default menu is just a reverse chronological order of everything that you've done on your system. So games and applications and games and applications. So if so, like um, the most recent thing I did was play Assassin's Creed Four. So that is icon one. It's highlighted. Mm-hmm. The thing I did last was Netflix. So that's next to that. Then I played Resident. So that's next to that, and just go. So then there's separate menus for TV and video apps, for the music streaming service, for like your whole game library. Okay, stuff like that. That seems like a pretty logical way to organize things. Thumbs up to that. Um. But but it also seems like the library is every game you've played, not just games you have on your system. So if you have a game that you installed or that you've uninstalled? Well, I don't know if it would be if I uninstalled it. That's a good question. So when you put a disc in, it installs it, right? Like immediately. And it also happens like lightning fast, like under a minute. They're like, like, you're ready to go. That's so weird. (laughs) Which seems nuts. But so Killzone, so but you it requires that the disc be in there to play it, which makes sense. Okay. Oh, sorry. Question about this the disc install thing. When you install, when you put in a disc, it automatically installs it. You've no. It choice. just goes. There's okay. no prompt. It doesn't tell you it's doing it. Okay. It just it happens. Do you need that disc to play? Yes. Okay. And then, which makes sense, right? Otherwise, like you'd have to tie the game to your yeah, account. Sure. Does it install? everything off the disc like is it exact same size as the disc or is it installing some subset of it seems core to vary wildly okay um you should look at the giant bomb did a video about this so the games i've had seem like they're installing the full game they're in the like 20 gigabyte install range okay there are some games like i think uh fifa or i could be wrong but there's some games where it's in the like kilobyte range huh so it sounds like they run off the disc. These games, I think, are clearly not running off the disc because when I start up Assassin's Creed 4, it goes whirr to make sure the disc is in there and then it sh- stops. Okay. The system is whisper quiet again. So at least these two games, and I think most games, they are installing full game installs to the hard drive. I'm, just, I'm, I'm interested just because it, 
you know, with a 500 gigabyte hard drive at some point. It's going to fill up very fast. That's going to fill up very, very, very fast. Yep. That's going to be a concern. You're going to need to prioritize your games. Um, no question about it. Uh, PSN seems fine. It was totally boned on Friday night. When I first got it, I could not access it, and then it was, like, super buggy. Now it seems fine and completely stable. I think that when an online service like that has trouble, that we should have congressional hearings about it. Yeah, totally. Um, I am disappointed in the PSN store. So it, it's, it's exactly the same as the PS3 store, except it's not slow. Okay. So... But the UI is... Maybe if they've tweaked it, it is not in a meaningful way, and it has always seemed really clunky to me. Like, like one, five five panels on a page, and you yeah. keep scrolling between pages, and it should be a list. It should be easier to search things. There should be an easier way for me to like click PSN and then get all the free games. It seemed like that was buried in like sub menus and was in like two places, both the PSN like entry point and the games entry point, mm-hmm. which didn't make sense yep um, yeah same thing with ps3 as you know i don't know it's okay um i also not, have trouble finding games deal. on the xbox 360 at this point so but i like what i yes the xbox store is pretty bad um and i guess what's interesting about looking at both this and the ps3 late in their lifestyle i'm never like shopping on the xbox marketplace i'm always like looking for a specific game mm-hmm. which i guess if you're doing here that's totally fine but uh, I think that Xbox is a pretty good way of saying, like, here's what's on sale this week. And in a way that the 360 or the, the PlayStation Marketplace is not. Maybe I just haven't gotten used to it. I don't know. But I think it's it's fine, I guess. Okay. For now. I was able to redeem codes um, and purchase things from it. What, is, what codes are you redeeming? So the system comes with $10 free on the PlayStation Network Marketplace. Okay. Which I think is pretty cool. Um, and then... The PS4 version of Assassin's Creed 4 has exclusive content, Um, like an hour submission thing, which is actually like a separate launch within the Assassin's Creed 4 like menu. Mm -hmm. It'll be like literally like single player, multiplayer, like this little campaign thing. So I redeemed those things. And um, then I bought uh, I bought Flower and I downloaded a bunch of free PS Plus games like uh, Like Resogun. Okay, so... The stuff that's on the PS4 store is all unique to the PS4 store, right? There's nothing. No. What? So there's a couple cross. Flower and Sound Shapes are both like cross by, and they also and they work on the PS4 games. So if you had bought Flower, you can just download that now okay. for the PlayStation 4. But plays any game that you want to play on your PlayStation 4 has like the developer had to upgrade it to a PS4 version. Yes. So you can't play PS1 games? No. You can't play any of your PS3 downloadables? We know that, no. right? Okay. No. Nope. Okay. Yeah, it's a, this is a new category of game. Right. So that's the, that's the thing. Fower and Sound Shapes have gone through that upgrading process and now are, like, if you buy, if you buy it or already own it, it works on PS3, Vita, and PS4. Okay. Um, so I guess we should talk about some games. Yeah. Um, whatever order you want. Okay. I don't know the right order. Uh, this is the order I thought of it. So the first game I played was actually kill zone. Cause remember PSN was down. I wanted to play Resogun real bad, sure. but I put in the killing zone. Um, 
I've never have you ever played any of the Killzone games? I played a little bit of Killzone two because it came free with my system, but only did, a moment. What were your impressions of Killzone two? It looks totally fine. It played totally fine, except I did not like playing a first person shooter with the PlayStation three controller, so okay. I did not play it. So Killzone uh, Shadowfall. I've never played Killzone. It's apparently like ten years after Killzone three or whatever. Looks tremendous fantastic that's it's nice to hear that fantastic. buying the system actually makes a visual difference yeah from like the buildings to the character models the animations on the faces are not as impressive as mm-hmm. some of the things we saw last gen like especially thinking about last of us and also uh, la noir sure that's just a matter of time that's just a matter of time and that's a different tech than let's make the textures look good yep you know what i mean yep um Anyway, but the faces look great. The character models look great. Clear draw distances, fine. It runs great. Um, from a gameplay perspective, it, it plays well. It definitely reminds me of like a like a consciously designed Halo competitor. It and it doesn't play like Halo at all, though. But structurally, like there's nine single player missions, sci-fi driven. It actually p- looks and plays more like a Call of Duty. Like, there's tons of weapons, very military-style mm-hmm. naming, and, uh, you know, we're firing bullets and stuff. Does it, does it like, throw you back to a chapter menu after you're done each? Or does it just keep barreling through? It just keeps barreling okay. through. But, like, when you load up, it says, like, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Okay. Um, and I looked up. There are ten missions, and the first mission you was, like, didn't have firing guns in it. It was all, like, story-based. Uh-huh. The story seems like nonsense. It is extremely hard to even pay attention to because I think they are <laughs> assuming more Killzone knowledge than I have, and I also don't care. Um, it, there's a lot of like neat extra stuff thrown in. I've got like a grappling hook to go from like you know higher places to lower places. I have a little like robot buddy friend who I can send to like hack things and shoot guys and revive me. And Clank. Yeah, that seems kind of interesting. So it definitely seems like there's some interesting mechanicy stuff. There's some annoying crap, so the waypoints don't stay in the UI. I have to push a button, like the circle button, and that makes the waypoint appear for like three seconds, and then it goes away. Okay. Which seems fucking terrible. Well. Because I'm like, I always want that on. Yeah. I mean, Bioshock Infinite or Dead Space, like you have to, like you press the button and it shows you the path where you need to go. That also sucks. <laughs> okay. So long as you're consistent. They, that totally, totally blows. Um, especially, it especially blows in this game though because the areas are really wide open, at least in the first level, mm-hmm. like big forests. So when you say it reminds you of a Halo competitor, does that mean that all these missions are really like encounter based? Like there's a big space, yes. there's yes. like a group of enemies here, a group of enemies here. That's exactly okay. it. Like complete objective, um, kind of like logical. Like fight a few guys, fight a, a few more guys. Big encounter objective completed okay we've let's meet up with these guys walk down a corridor a little bit of exploration and story fight a couple guys fight a couple more guys big <laughs> spaceship encounter you know okay that makes sense to me these these kind of crescendos and and like and and um, fast decrescendos and then crescendos again of, of action it seems okay i am um, i'll get back to it at some point but um i'm glad it looks good and it plays very well i have no complaints whatsoever about the controls very tight very fun to control. Very yeah. easy. Um, but, you know, kind of a ho-hum first-person shooter so far. Let's talk about Rezogun. Rezogun. What this is... I've, Rezo, what Rezogun is Rezogun? Explain okay. it. Sorry, I can let me talk over you. 
It's PSN exclusive. It is a downloadable game. It's 15 bucks, but free if you're a PS Plus member. And definitely intended to be a showpiece of the system. Sure. Um, you know Defender? Yes. Let's start with Defender. Okay, so this you can fly def- left and you can fly right. Yes, I can fly left, right, up, down. The The world is a big circle. Okay. Okay. Um, all, and, and like 2D. Okay. Okay. Um, so let, let's start with that as a basis. But that's kind of where it ends. So there's uh, enemies that you've got to fight. And every time you kill an enemy, it builds up this meter at the bottom. At the same time, there are these, like, humans trapped in these, like, glass cages. And killing certain enemies will free one of these humans. And once you do that, the enemies are, like, trying to kill them. But you need to pick them up and safely transport them back to, like, a tractor beam place. Okay, so it's like Defender. Yeah, exactly. Okay. (laughs) Um, Like, Defender meets, like, Jetpack, I guess. Uh, but it seems even like more frenetic than that. When you fill up the bottom meter, this like boss comes up and you have to fight the boss. Are these, is it like wa- waves of enemies or is it like one enemy at a time? Wa- waves of enemies. Okay. Um, but the, the enemies don't ever fly off. Okay. So it's like, uh, Galaga legions. Yes, mm, like sorta, because like a wave of enemies flies in, and you can shoot at them, and then yeah. they stay in the position, and then you need to figure out which part of the or like which enemies you're going to kill in what order, and you can shoot left and you can shoot right. Yeah, so there's definitely like a a, a combo thing. So the, it it brings in the Geometry Wars two style, like when you blow enemies up, there's little green dots, and you pick up the green dots, and that increases your multiplier. Okay, but. But your multiplier, if you don't kill a guy or pick up a green dot after a certain amount of time, the multiplier resets. Okay. And by certain amount of time, I mean, like, seconds. So you always need to be killing guys and building your multiplier up, or it's, like, reset. Um, there's a, like, a boost button that you have a limited amount of boost that resets. Boost! Boost! Um, and you can either boost to get away from enemies or boost into enemies, and that will also kill them. But watch out because your your boost runs out while you're in the middle of killing guys. <laughs> you will run into a guy and die. One hit death. Okay. Um, uh, and, and I assume enemies are shooting at you. Yeah, well, okay. enemies shooting you all the time. Okay. There's constant bullets flying everywhere. Um, it would be good to like watch a quick video of this game because I think you'll get it very fast. Yeah. it's definitely like an arcadey type shooter. Very difficult. Very difficult bosses. Level based. Um, five levels. Going uh, going for high scores is that going nice for thing? high score totally. So there's it, it's it's hard to beat a level. It took me probably three or four tries to beat the first world. I've not beaten the second world, um, but very much about replaying, learning how to play the game more efficiently, get combos, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It rules. A lot of fun. Um, I'm especially looking forward to getting a Vita because I think it will be great, like um, streaming on that. As good as it looks playing on the PS4. Yeah, cool. Uh, the aesthetic's very cool. There, it's uh, it uses like all the voxels, which I had not heard about. I thought like the people were just making fun of that. Apparently, the the voxel is like a like three D pixel. Yeah. Like instead of building things out of like textures, right. they're like literally building them out of cubes. So it looks neat when things blow up. Yeah, I, I think that I usually think that the voxel love is overrated. Yeah, uh, but. 
you know, the, be like I don't pixel know. Love. This is this is a specific case where that looks really cool. Yeah, I don't know if the, I've like that statement shouldn't be taken as like every game should use this because it makes sense. But no, but in this specific case, I think it looks pretty pretty doggone neat. So there's that. Um, flower. Flower. Have you this played Flower old, before? Never played. Okay. So anyway, I got these ten free dollars. It's like six bucks now, seven bucks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Journey. So at first, I, I had a weird moment where I'm like, oh, I'll play Flower. It's PlayStation exclusive, and I got this new system. It lo- obviously looks fantastic, like even more so um, on the PS4. Um, so I got it, and I was like, wait, this is motion control game? Fuck this game. Oh, it's- Fuck. This game. Yeah, PlayStation 4 controller does have motion in it, like 6-axis, though? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still got all that 6-axis Okay. Stuff, which I did not know until I got I played Flower. Yeah. And was like, oh, okay, all right, I guess this, I gotta move like this. Yeah. So then by the time I was at level 2 of Flower, I was like, this game's pretty good. <laughs> um, I don't know, like, this, again, is a really old game, so I'm kind of late to the party, but obviously it's all about, like, the music and the look of the game. Right. And it works 100%. Like, boy, I... I hope it doesn't overstay its welcome. I've been played the first two levels and finished them, but it's has fun. Like it is trippy if you just kind of mm-hmm. let yourself get lost in it. Like I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I thought flower was was nice. Definitely nice. Yeah, totally, totally nice. <clears throat> then the most I've played is Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. Yeah. So a couple things. So uh, one, I should say that no complaints. Love the controller. Plays great. I'm curious to see how it looks compared to the current gen consoles because you were saying it doesn't it looks good but doesn't look great assassin's creed games have always looked very very good yes this game to me looks like the other ones ha maybe a little little bit better okay but not not system jump better like uh i I thought killzone kind of did so you would say that if i were to buy the 360 version of this game i would not be missing out I should not wait for a PlayStation so I, 4. So I want to say I have not played that version. But but assuming that it plays very well, totally. Okay. Yes. This does not seem like a system seller or like instantly better enough having played the other ones mm-hmm. that you need to go out and buy it. Uh, except I guess, oh, um, there is exclusive content on this one. I don't know if it's a timed exclusive or you'll have to pay for it. But yeah, it's probably not very good anyway. So that's just supposition. I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm I'm guessing. I wouldn't hesitate, especially as much as you like pirates, because, gee, this is a pirate game. Yeah. This seems like a pirate game first and Assassin's Creed game second. Even the, like, now I'm I'm right at the beginning, but the uh, Templar and Assassin's stuff seems secondary. Sure. So the plot is, you're a pirate, um, there's, like, a storm, you end up shipwrecked, and there's an, a guy in Assassin's garb hurt next to you. You, long story short, you uh, end up like getting his clothes and this like mission. He was like delivering something to a governor or like some elected official in Havana. And you're like, you're a pirate. And you're like, well, fuck, I'm going to pretend to be this guy and deliver this. Well, I don't give a shit whatever this is and get his reward. (laughs) That sounds like a thing a pirate would do. Definitely pirating. Okay. So, um, you meet a guy, you hitch a ride to Cuba. You find out this guy, the guy he's meeting with are actually Templars. And he was going to defect to the Templars and prove his loyalty by giving him this thing that looks like it's from the future. You know what I mean? Like you're in, 
17th century Cuba. Sure. Pi- there's pirates everywhere. And this is like a f- fucking like space cube. It's glowing. It looks, you know, okay. te- technology-ish. Yes. So there's the Assassin's Creed part, right? Um, so then, so so you're like, all right, you're in the Templars now. Let's go kill some assassins. You're like, yeah, what, I, don't, I don't know who either of these people are. That's <laughs> fine. Sure. It's completely, it's completely fine with me. I will kill anything. So then you get a little upset that you're like, Wait a minute. So the reward is like I'm a Templar and I got like a hundred bucks. This is fucking bullshit. Let's try to like they, they were talking about this like crazy space lighthouse thing. There's probably like some money in that. Let's go get it. That's I you, I love pirate logic. Like there's probably money in this thing, right? <laughs> so like let's go get it. So that backfires because you get captured, and then there's a big battle, and you like end up with this ship, and then you're like, well, I guess we have this ship now. Let's go recruit other people to be pirates with me. Sounds you awesome. Meet, like you meet a trusty first mate that just kind of by accident, like you like went through this big battle, and you're like, you fought well, and you seem like you know what you're doing. Do you, do you have ethical qualms? No. Do you want to team up? Yes. It's teaming up. This is perfect pirate pirate floor right here. It's exactly so, how it works. Right. So now you're now I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Like I'm still wearing the assassin's clothes for reasons that I don't know if there are reasons besides you're like, "Well, why do I need new clothes? Mm-hmm. These are good as any." Um and uh I've got the hidden blades from the uh Templar people and can use them. They don't really explain why. Sure. Uh, that's a little frustrating. Like the fact that I can use guns and swords makes perfect sense. But mm-hmm. the weird hidden blade things, like I feel like I should not be as good with. Um. Anyway, so yeah, now I'm, uh, there's a lot of boat combat straight out of Assassin's Creed Three. Okay. But integrated right into the game, you're going from like island to island. There's not like menus in between boat and land, like there was in. AC three. Here's one of my questions: How are, yeah. how are the cities? What are the cities like? What are are there lots of population in the cities? Really crowded, like Assassin's Creed games, or what's going yeah, on? Yeah, so the, I, the you start in Havana, which very much feels like an Assassin's okay. Creed city, which would make sense. It'd be one of the biggest cities in the Caribbean. Exactly, it's quite big. It's very popular, populated. Looking at the map, it seems like there are like three or four big cities like that. And then a lot of teeny islands. Okay. And that's based on the amount of collectibles in each location. So in Havana, there were eight viewpoints, 20 chests, 20 of these like flowing bits of the animus or whatever, like lots of stuff to collect. <laughs> then you'll see islands where there's like one viewpoint, two chests. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I've been to. Um, so it definitely seems, it, it actually seems really identical to old Assassin's Creed games and that there's several like big cities and then an open area. Sure. Like it connecting them a countryside. But in, <laughs> right. But instead of like this big wilderness area, like in between Philadelphia and Boston, there's ocean with little teeny islands in there. So if you're, if you want to go to one of these little islands, are you sailing there or do you set yeah. a waypoint and it does it for you or what's going on? So you, once you travel somewhere and get a lookout point, you can fast travel there. Okay. If you want to go there the first time, you have to sail there. But what they've done is, uh, um, this is going to sound like, again, the controls are pretty basic, but it works as a stripped down. In Assassin's Creed 3, there was like a slow and fast movement. They've added a super fast movement, <laughs> which is... Video game. What's great is, because it's intended, like, they actually, like, pull you way back and get rid of the UI 
so you can't fire guns or anything in this mode. Okay. It's, it, and steering is very hard. But if I'm on the open sea going somewhere, I don't give a shit. Like, I just want to go as fast as I can. Sure. Right? It's, like, it's like a warp speed. Yes, it's like warp speed. But it's also interesting in combat because I can, like, go to super fast speed and, like, actually miss people trying to ram me. And then, like, immediately, like, stop and, like, turn and try to, like, meet them and then fire my cannons at them. Oh, so you can do... Th- okay. Huh. There's They don't differentiate between, like combat mode and like not combat mode that's cool they're just like choices i'm just like i'm just like all right full sails let's go i'm gonna like at the expense of navigation and being able to fire guns whatever situation that is in Mm -hmm. and then like obviously i can slow down and i can turn much better it's still a big old ship so it's not exactly like i'm turning on a dime even then but i've gone from like i really can't turn because it's going to take me so long for like me spinning the wheel to actually adjust course Mm -hmm. Um, to like, well, I can actually see the difference I'm making right here. So that's all pretty good. Sounds you know? it sounds neat. I I would like to play this game. I've I've played probably five hours or so, but I've mainly spent time collecting things. Like, <laughs> why not? Right. I just like being an assassin, man. I yeah. just like all that mini stuff. Cl- climbing on shit, getting to places yep. you're not supposed to get to. Yeah, you, stories stories pretty good so far. Missions are okay. A lot of chase missions. You were surprised uh, when I told you that all the pirates in this game are real pirates. So I don't know fuck about pirates. Yeah, um, but you were watching me stream some of it, and you like recognize all these people's names. Yep. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Which is it's it's cool that they built a mythology around this because. And it's completely in keeping with all the other Assassin's games, right? Right. Like, they're using real people and locations and stuff and adding this layer of fiction yeah. on top of it. Which is good, yeah, that they get to bring all these different people who certainly encountered each other in history. Like, th- these pirates all knew who all the other pirates were. Right. How often they were face-to-face with any of these pirates, you know, d- debatable. Like, not quite Pirates of the Caribbean, but... Like, for them to put, like, the whole gang of the most ruthless pirates together. Yeah. It's really cool. I think they're using that kind of, you know, we talked about, like, yeah, this fits, like, the pirate attitude. And not only is that true, but it's also a nice, you know, Assassin's Creed has not been a franchise to introduce a new character lightly. Mm-hmm. And they have made a fourth character that feels extremely different from all the other characters. From, um, you know, Altair, who's uh, an assassin who gets kicked out at the beginning to Connor, who's, like, learning about this whole world with you, to Ezio, who you see, like, ro- rise and grow through the ranks mm-hmm. of this and, like, get all in. So even you've got three people who totally buy into the whole Assassin's thing and kind of are coming at it from different ways. You have a fourth guy who's, like, super self-confident and arrogant, and I guess Altair was like that a little bit, but here's somebody who, like, doesn't give a fuck about anybody but himself. Sure, yeah. Um... The last question I had about it is, have you done, have you pulled out to the, the, the other world yet in the story? Like, yeah. What do you mean? I have a boat. I can go to, I can go wherever I want. No, I mean like, like the, the like animus oh, layer and then got the out. Right. Yes. Okay. So that's kind of dumb. So, I mean, we, I guess it's not really you, a spoiler, is it? No, it's not. Okay. No. So this is the first game you start in the like pirate world and not in the modern times. So when you do, you are at Abstergo Industries, which is the modern-day incarnation of the Templars. You don't think about Assassin's Creed. Assassins are good. Templars are bad, basically. Mm -hmm. You've been fighting Abstergo through the uh, other games. Um, You are not Desmond Miles for the first time. You are just some dude. Um, You are actually at a more or less like video game company. (laughs) And it seems like, I don't know if you are, are you like, 
QA testing or um, I, I think that's what it is because you work at Abstergo. That's the sense that I got from it. Yeah, like this thing. So it turns out like they mentioned they explicitly mentioned Desmond Miles and like, hey, we've tapped into his memories as somebody like super connected. And so this pirate character, Edward, is the grandfather of Connor, who is the character you played in Assassin's Creed three. Mm-hmm. So something unique for the series in the for the first time in the world we're going into, it's it's further back. Every game we've always jumped forward in time. Yes. And so now we're going backwards to like early eighteenth century, I think. As opposed to like mid late eighteenth century where the uh where Assassin's Creed three lived. Um but you are so even though you're not Desmond, your character is an ancestor of Desmond. And like I can get out of okay. the animus, I can get yes, which mm, they don't. They, <laughs> they've mentioned that, like they've t- explicitly said that, and I guess like they know Desmond has all these connections to the apples and fucking whatever <laughs> storyline is, is today. Um, but yeah, anytime I want, uh, not in a mission, I can back out and walk around. It's like a bunch of cubicles and stuff, and the very kind of very limited small areas you've sure. always had in Assassin's Creed games. Um, then my other question is, is this necessary or could they just have made a cool pirate story? Like, is it such the essence of the Assassin's Creed series that yes. this world is the animus? Yes, I think I think it's necessary okay. at least to have the trappings in it. Because you like, always spend 98% of Assassin's Creed games in the world. Right. It's just I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have never cared about any of the real, like the broad fiction of these games. Uh-huh. And so I don't think Ubisoft much does anymore either. Well, sure, but but it's important to them that they're like, oh, there's you know the Templars and the Assassins yeah. have these modern day incarnations, and they use technology to like go back in time and read memories and and live through that kind of stuff. Like that, if if all those games dropped all that shit, I would be totally fine with it. Yeah, I mean, it's so far like you spend two second. There's like a two second non combat. Sure sequence where you're walking around it just being, it just seems like it would have been more exciting just to like just go full hog on a pirate game never leave the pirate world like sure and you basically don't i, I don't know okay you, you don't i haven't, I mean, I haven't were, played so i can't judge i just i was gonna say like i don't know how much you've played assassin's <clears throat> creed games in the past yeah like like you're you're never you're never out of the like other world except for like two seconds so I assume that'll be the same. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah, Assassin's Creed 2, there's a little bit more of, like, there's like one or two story little, like, sequences unfolding sequences. in the... Yeah. Yes. And I, I think that'll be the same here. Okay. But, I mean, some of the later ones, like, Revelations, there's, like, none. And that's the thing. Like, I haven't played... I played yeah. 1 and 2, so... They get they get more and more away from Okay, me. cool. In 3, there's a little bit of it, but nothing. Actually, 3, there's more of it. There actually are, like, mission missions outside of the Amazon. I forgot about that. But... Since you're not Desmond, since they don't even make they don't even make an effort to make you care about like y- like your avatar. Sure, I, I don't think it'll be that much. Okay, you'll like it. It's not going to get in the way of anything. Cool. That's yeah, great. How's Watch Dogs? Fuck off. <laughs> so uh, that that is actually so the one thing I, I you know I, I was pretty disappointed because like thinking about it, what I was like, did I say this last time? Like. The console exclusive for the two new consoles I'm looking most forward to would be like Forza Five, like the, for the system I'm not buying. Yeah, right. Like, uh, and playing Assassin's Creed Four and thinking, uh, like, yeah, you could totally buy this on Xbox 360 sure. or PS3, and that would not be a, a waste of your money. But then I look at um, what's coming 
and I'm still like, this has got to be the right choice. Infamous looks great. Um, all the like indie titles and stuff coming out. Yeah, I like, I don't think that the PlayStation Four is the wrong choice in the situation. My, I have two final questions about PlayStation Four. Okay, number one. Do do you think you made the right decision purchasing it now? Like, are you happy to have that in your living room or in your your uh, yes. cave? Yes, and here is why. Um, by the time there are games to justify this purchase, this console will still be four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I've wasted any money. Makes sense. Um, and there, I, I, there also will not be a, a major hardware revision. Right. Now, the, so there's a big asterisk, uh, assuming there's no like major bugs in the launch hardware, which it doesn't seem like there has been. Um, so, so, no, I don't feel like I've, I've wasted anything. I feel like it has yeah. a, a fine place. If, if I didn't think there would be good games, and, and I think it will be sooner than a year before there will be games I'm very, very excited to play. That makes sense. Um, be it Destiny, be it Infamous, be it whenever, you know, I don't know when the Supergiant game's coming out. I don't know when, um, what the, the Braid guy's next game, whenever that's coming out. But those are all like PS4, you know, exclusives or mm-hmm. firsts or whatever. So. The Witness? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's it. The Witness. The Witness. Yeah. Um, and along with Watch Dogs Next Spring sure. 2, which again is multi-platform, but that's more of a... Well, no, is that coming to old consoles? No, I don't okay, think so. so. So yeah, so even though that's not... I guess that's more of a, are you going to buy the new system or not? Um, and they said the new Metal Gear is going to have exclusive stuff, and that's coming out in the next year. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, assuming that all of that comes to pass in the next six months. Yeah, totally. Because I, I could have just waited six months to have it. But then in the meantime, I've got... Um, you know, Resogun to play on it, sure. AC4 to play on it. Is it well, is it also know, just PS- kind of cool to have it there? Like just to it's look at cool. it? Yeah, it's fun cool to have yeah. it there. Totally. Absolutely. It was fun. It was fun being in there like day one with everything. Mm-hmm. Never had that experience. Like watching Giant Bomb stream at the same time I am playing, like learning along with them <laughs> was very cool. Um Yeah, definitely being a part of it seems nice. And it's nice to just kinda of have it out of the way, right? Like um now I'm I'm very excited. I want to get a Vita pretty soon. I think that'll be neat to see how that integrates with it. Yeah, I hope they. Uh, I hope it actually does something. I'm hoping I don't have to wait, but so long to get new games. You know, PSN. Um, it's isn't it right? Like uh, every half month they'll cycle in and out some games. It's it's every month they cycle in new free games okay. and out free okay. games, and then you know every two weeks or so they might put some stuff on sale. So I'm I'm hoping there'll be some. Uh, more downloadable stuff coming mm-hmm. some even if it's just ports of existing ps games i haven't played um there's still sound shapes which is 15 it's the reason i didn't buy it so that seems pretty cool um yeah i you know you're not wrong to not not purchase one yet um but i i think that um like i said since it's not going to get any cheaper by the time i would really regret not having one mm-hmm. it, I'm, I'm glad i've got it good that's exciting. I kind of wish I were able to enjoy it with you, like to see you opening it and kind of go through all that stuff, knowing that I'm not yeah. going to buy one. I mean, uh, honestly, opening it, the box is pretty small. Sure. The box is, is not, I don't know. I wish I'd been more excited opening it up. It was very much like, it's yep, business. It <laughs> it's business. It's like, here's a power cord. 
Here's the HDMI cord. Yep. This works. Let's go. Yeah. That's, I guess, like booting it up and going through the menus and stuff more so than yeah, the actual unboxing. Cool. Awesome. And this, this controller kicks ass. Congratulations. Like, I want to see... One thing I have not done, which I want to see, is apparently this works with some PS3 games. Hmm. Like, I can sync it to the PS3. Oh, boy. If this works with The Last of Us, that's going to make playing that DLC so much better. Holy shit. Say, Sony's Sony's uh, usual like MO of making one piece of hardware sort of work with something. They're like, yeah, you can play... You could use your Vita as a controller for some PlayStation 3 games. Here are the five games you can do that with. Yeah. Nintendo's good at that, too. <laughs> All right. Ready? Sure. Good morning, Captain. Well, good morning to you. Do you need another mule skinner? The list. Down on your new motor run. See, the thing is everybody else misses the faces that you make right before you say the list like that is special to me oh, so, the, uh, like, like, you like head cock yeah head cock you wind up for it like you come in like real smooth um yeah I love it I, t- I, t- I take my the list duty serious as, as well you should yep. you've been entrusted with something important. no no joking around the list is like a cube from the future you can't just sell yeah, it for a hundred dollars no way man you get pissed off and find new pirate friends yeah um so the list this week, this comes from a suggestion from a while ago from a friend of the show, good friend of the show, Campbell. Friend of the show, good friend of the show, and it wouldn't be low score if we did things timely. Yeah. So he asked, also, list idea. I don't know what the also is in reference to. He must have said something before this. You know, Whatever, a month ago. in the past. Also, list idea. Five games or moments in games someone can play to understand the things you like about video games. Oh. Five gaming moments that kind of encapsulate you as a player and, and what you know makes you tick and why you keep coming back to this medium. This was hard, and um, I'm I like my list of five quite a bit. I do too, but I don't know if it a hundred like we both of us like a lot of different things. Right? I don't know if it is like a hundred percent everything I like, but they are things that I like a lot. Yes, I you know if I had say like a month and, to think about this, maybe I would have come mm, up with something different. <laughs> Probably, um, but in the last. But I do think like they're emblematic of more than just like. I like that everything I have is more than just like this is a cool moment in the game. I can say like this is a cool moment in the game, or in one of my cases, I picked an entire game because I got lazy. <laughs> but uh, I guess. Uh, well, no, I took off the one that was the entire game of mine, so I actually have moments. So I like this. I'm excited for it. Um, we're listing. We're listing. Listing to the left. I like when we hit the cha-cha-cha. Hit that cha-cha-cha. Sometimes we don't. Why don't... I guess... I'll go, go first. first. You, you go first. I'll go first. I usually go first. So I'm going to say... Hey, what happened to that? What happened? Hold on one second. Okay. Yeah. Keeping everybody in suspense. What are you doing? Sorry. The, um, I had five things, and then I decided to replace one of those things. The one that was just like the game with another thing but i copied or like erased the wrong line and i was looking at it i was like this is not the correct but i hit undo and i'm fine computers computers all right so i didn't know you could hold more than two games at once (laughs) i feel like i played the whole game that way (laughs) 
here's my first one. So I really like it when I can kind of cheese a video game within the rules of the video game and get away with it. Like that is something I find super enjoyable because you realize how like dumb video games can be because they're not able to respond to you. So right. my first moment is from Gran Turismo 3. Oh, I know I was going to say, we're not allowed to use Chrono Trigger, Portal, or Borderlands. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of the uh, the stipulations that we set for Just ourselves. assume those are on the list. Yeah. So, Gran Turismo 3. Um, so, Gran Turismo 3, once you get all the licenses, you can buy F1 cars. And you don't have to race in an F1 race to use an F1 car. Oh, damn. So, my, like, the moment that I remember specifically was there's, like, a Tokyo track that is a, a street track where it's a super long straightaway, which is amazing. The game doesn't have car damage, which is helpful. So, I'm in an F1 car. Everyone else is in good cars, but nobody else in F1 cars. So, they can't go even nearly as fast. And because there's no car damage or penalty for hitting the walls... I found places in that game where the walls were curved enough that I could just floor the accelerator while hugging the wall and it would just zip me around. That's awesome. And I could gain like, you know, basically like not stopping and gaining 10 seconds per lap doing that. So the point where I was passing, lapping other people people. multiple times in high level races, high level races. That's Uh, amazing. And it's just, yeah, I really like dumb moments like that. This works. I can't think of a reason not to do it. Let's go. Um, so, um, I'm eating taffy. I'm sorry. I, gonna I really ask, shouldn't be. I really shouldn't be eating taffy. What kind of taffy? Saltwater taffy? Laffy taffy? Yeah, saltwater taffy. So, um, Carrie's parents. So, sorry, Carrie's parents spent a lot of time at the beach. It was my birthday a couple months ago, and so they brought me back. I love saltwater taffy. Yeah, it's love great. It. They brought me back like three boxes of saltwater taffy. Nice. So I've been rationing it out. We just have to go to the bathroom. I got a couple pieces of taffy. I'll stop. Uh, okay, so my most speak going off of that, embracing chaos and weird things. Okay, this is my only like really, really, really recent thing on the list. Grand Theft Auto Five. There's a lot of examples like this we talked about, but there is a mission. Uh-huh. So great. Uh, I had to look up the name of it. It's called the Kaida Libre mission. Have I done this it? Is, I think so. Describe this is it. you. You start off as Michael. Uh huh. And it seems pretty normal. I won't go into like story beats, but you need to shoot down an airplane. Yes, I've done this. Okay. So you shoot down the airplane, but then you have to like, there's cargo on the airplane you need. So at first you need to drive to this spot, get a good viewpoint of it, shoot it. Then you switch to Trevor and you need to chase an airplane crashing down while you are on a motorcycle. Yeah. And like, obviously in the sky, the airplane can go wherever it wants and you just have to like deal with that on the ground. <laughs> yes. Like whether there's roads or not, whether there's incoming cars or not. You're like, I kind of like, need to go kind of this way, I guess. And I felt like not only was that crazy, but it dragged on for a really long time. Yeah. At first you're like, I can't, how much longer can I go? Like you go from the city into like the outskirts to like the desert yep. and it just like keeps going and going. It basically crosses almost three quarters of the map. Absolutely. So it's to me, this is like this is an argument for why Grand Theft Auto needs to be an open world game. Yeah, this is an argument why for all of the technological challenges and hiccups, why open world games and scripted things in games are great. Like there's a lot. This is why in terms of things I like, I'm not a big multiplayer guy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I often am not all that engaged by like a lot of choice in games or like player choice or like customization and stuff. This is such an argument for when the chaos of open world and the scriptedness of a single player narrative meet to make just a perfect sequence that seems like it's happening organically. Like Mm -hmm. even though I'm obviously clear I'm playing a game that's been made by humans for a brief moment, like that facade goes away and I'm like, this is fucking nuts. Like what's going to happen? Everything is going to shit. Ah!" (laughs) Um, And I love those moments. I love that feeling. I love how well executed it is, how somehow it all magically works out. And, but yeah. My next one is related to this again. Okay. And I almost spoiled it earlier when I said it <laughs> with one of the missions. Um, so Grand Theft Auto V goes back to a lot of the stuff that Grand Theft Auto San Andreas did in terms of the ridiculous things that are happening. So right. my next mission in terms of, I can't believe that this is something that is going on, is the mission in GTA San Andreas where you have to ride a dirt bike down a runway, avoiding people throwing like uh, crates or something at you, then board the airplane as it is taking off, fight the yep. dudes on it, steal the package, and parachute out. Which GTA Five has a mission that's almost exactly the same. Yeah, it does, and and it's it's still good. So I went back to the like the originator of these missions. Nice, and I just remember nice. that one like huh, what? Like this is. It is the argument for why there's a countryside in San Andreas and GTA five. Cause there's so much space to do dumb shit like this. Yeah. And I felt in San Andreas, I thought it was like so big and sprawling. I feel like GTA five takes a little bit better advantage of it. Even sure. though sometimes driving in and out of the city can be cumbersome. A GTA five. It felt like, or San Andreas, there felt like there was just empty space in between. Yeah, and, that's true. And this more feels like, okay, this is like the red Deadish area of right. There's always stuff. Oh, and speaking of GTA five, how amazing was, or is it when Franklin sees the dog that has helps him find the, the downed parachuting skydiving guy? Yeah, I mean, that's that may be one of the best things in games. So nuts. Um, yeah, that's my next. That was my next one. I like it. Um, so spilling off into like, I was trying to think of something emblematic especially early on about how i've said i liked single player games mm-hmm. quite a bit and i also like when games kind of pull the rug under from under you and you think you're playing one game but you're playing another game okay uh, i picked the moment in link to the past when you get the master sword and finally go to face um Aghanim or Ag- however you say Ag- his name Nimnon? no not yeah the way the game builds, you've gone through all this to get the three pendants. Mm-hmm. You get the master sword, and when you get it, it feels fucking great. It's twice as powerful as your sword. Regular enemies are just toast. You go to the castle, fight through Hyrule Castle. It's this big dungeon, bigger than the other dungeons. You fight the boss. You're like, this is awesome. You are not even halfway fucking done with the game. So, Jay, you want to know what the first thing on my list is? Is that it? <laughs> that's, that's it. It is Hell yes. the, the moment in Link to the Past when you first go to the Dark World where you can explore. Yeah. Yep. And you're like, what? what is this? And then all of a sudden, where you were feeling like a badass, now everything is super hard. Mm-hmm. You're lost. Like, it's very difficult to get around in. You're like, well, how many? I get seven crystals? Wait, what? Yeah, I just did these three. There really is Ganon? Yep. That's funny. I have same exact moment. So for me, what one thing that this moment was emblematic was the idea that games are bigger than the things that you can see inside of them. Yeah, totally. Right. Absolutely. That there's, 
you know, like you look at the box and you're like, okay, there's like a dark world. What is that about? And the first time you go into the dark world, you, it's when you're uh, climbing the mountains mm-hmm. and you pop out because right. you don't have the moonstone. So you pop out and you have the rabbit head on. You're like this, what is this whole thing over here? So you get like this taste of it. Yeah. And it's very brief. It's very, very contained mm-hmm. at that point. But you do, you do get the sense like, is there something yeah. going on here? And then and then the game just opens up into this whole gigantic world, and you and then finding like the ways that they connect to each other, and the places where you can teleport back and forth, and the similarities and differences, the way to use paths in one to get to places you couldn't get to originally in the light world. Yeah, God, good. That cool game is great. That game is fantastic. It's awesome. Totally awesome. Well, that means you're up again. <laughs> Oh, right, because I guess that's, that's three for That's you. three for me. So, uh, again, when I first made this list, I did not have any story moments on it. And I felt like that's not, you know, sure, really fair. Because I, I like when a game is able to seamlessly combine storytelling and gameplay. Yes. That's a that's a big deal for me. I will let you know um, that my next one also does that. I picked Braid World 1 as my emblematic moment. Okay? So, yes. I love puzzle games and I love that way that game makes you think and rewards you and pushes the 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 challenge level up to the, like the cusp of frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I really love the way it hints immediately from you that there's something up. You start in world two and you play two, three, four, five, six, one. And it takes the gameplay mechanic and very loose story bits you've been given. And all of a sudden turns that on its head and lets you know, like you were playing the story the whole time and you didn't know it. Yeah. And it wasn't. And if you did think you were playing a story, it absolutely wasn't the one you thought. Right. And it really makes that pay off and, like makes you like stop and and take a second and really think back in your head what you were just doing. There's there's a handful of other games that do that. This one does it the most concisely and and, and well and has that specific moment. Yeah, and and the the great thing about Braid was Braid really established the landscape of what we would call like small downloadable indie produced like smaller team games for right. for a mass mass audience. So if you go back and listen to episode four, a very Brady podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, think about how weird Braid seemed to us at that time. Like, oh, totally weird. I, like, like even the concept of the ten dollar game was right. Like ten dollar yeah. game, and then it has this like really cool framework around it. And despite the fact, or in, in addition to the fact that it was a, a good mechanically sound game and fun to play, right. it was fun. Yeah, um, you know, we just like that was not a thing that happened all that often back then. And it's still not something that happens all that awesome. You know, Bastion maybe is another good example of this. But even like we're talking about something like Flower or or Journey, there's there's always that caveat where people who don't like it be like, well, they're not going for mm-hmm. you know the gameplay part of it. They're going for the mood, the experience, or whatever. Braid doesn't compromise on the gameplay or the story at all. You know, yeah. And I find that very impressive. So, yep, uh, Braid World One. If you play Braid, you know what that means. If you haven't played Braid, then what the fuck? Yeah, totally. What the fuck? Fuck you. Okay, so my next one is actually less related to that than I thought the, was the direction that you were going, which is atmosphere in video games is important to me. 
like the way that video games are able to use all sorts of effects to establish the feeling that you're in a very specific location or establish a mood, all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of my favorite games are very, have atmospheric moments are very atmospheric. So Metroid prime, for example, like I love the atmosphere of being on that world by yourself and explore, exploring. Um, mm-hmm. I was also thinking like half life one, the, oh yeah, the surprising moments of environmental storytelling in that game. But I went back, I was trying to think of like, what what's the earliest example I can remember where like the environment and just like a very simple thing set the tone of what it was. And so I recalled Mega Man 2. So the last stage of Mega Man 2 before you fight Dr. Wily is a dark hallway, no music. So unlike everything else, you just plop down in space, no music. And then all there is is just like acid dripping from the ceiling. You just then that's everything you can just hear the drips and that's it uh and running down that hallway in particular was so odd in comparison to everything else that i was used to playing where like you know games with shooting any kind of action games platformers everything for the nintendo just like full scale all the time guns you know music blasting uh enemies on screen like all that kind of stuff and this was just this kind of contemplative moment in a game that otherwise was like you know typical shooting game for that era it makes you take a breath like nonstop, off the wall crazy right. hard and then like uh, and you just know you're about to get fucked yeah and then it's like yeah what's what is coming after this like obviously this is quiet for a reason so right cool let me see man i think i'm gonna go with my my whole game selection okay so you had you had a, another one in there i have i've got two more two more on your list or two more that you had been thinking about two more on my list how's that possible i did gta 5 uh-huh link to the past uh-huh. and braid uh and wait how come i only have one left because link to the past was one of mine i don't know did you do we go out of order you got Gran Turismo three, so you went first. Oh, you have two left. Okay, sorry. I have two. I have two left. That makes sense. Yes. That actually makes perfect sense. Yes, you went I went first. first. I forgot I went first. Okay, so I'm gonna take my full game. Mm-hmm. Got the book right here. <gasps> back up. Oh, sp- so. speaking of books, holy shit! I forgot. To- yes, never mind. Okay, so okay. <coughs> uh, again, I start thinking about like I gotta have RPG in here. Mm-hmm. Japanese RPG, I like them, and there are specific things I like about these games, the games I really like in other games. And I feel like games that get me right to the meat of stat building and exploration without the story bullshit in the way, Uh with lots of different meters going up, and also not the like mindless combat in the way. Tactical games can kind of do this. Final Fantasy IX kind of does this. No game does it better than Final Fantasy XII though. Yeah. Final Fantasy XII. God damn it. I don't know what... If, if there was a moment, it would be me, like, just in the licenses menu. That would be the moment. If there was a moment. Where, alright, I've got all these LP, I'm constantly getting, allocating people, figuring out who's gonna get what Esper. Mm-hmm. Open up this big-ass map. Be like, alright, who's gonna... Fuck, where do we... How do I move these people around? What's the most efficient way? Yep. What do I need? What can I skip? Because I can't get everything. Oh, man... Do I care about these gambits? I don't even know. Like, what? I was actually thinking about FF12, and I couldn't figure out exactly what it was about it. But 
You're right. Like strategizing the the uh, license board probably. It's, it's the best be up there because like when you get into battle, it kind of just auto does it. You know, like there's just yep. yeah yeah you're you're selecting stuff, but the seamless transition in and out of battle. Why you your characters are constantly changing, so you don't have to wait for like level up moments, and you get to I love okay I love when you level up and you can allocate shit. I love mm-hmm. it. I don't like when you level up and just like arbitrary meters go up. Yeah. That is not nearly as good as when like you give me a po- like a pool of points and I can either spend hoard them yeah. or spend them, but I've got to like strategize and think. Oh man, and I hate <laughs> when things aren't progressing. Like when you play when I played Final Fantasy V and I would level like somebody's job up enough mm-hmm. and I didn't want to change jobs, but I was like, but then at that, then I'm not getting the job points. Like I'm not getting the AP. I, I always ha- I have to change him to like chemist or some bullshit that I don't care about because otherwise it's just a waste. It's just wasting this time. It's just wasting time. Yep. It's just wasting time. It's like in persona when you have like a, a demon in your hand, a persona in your hand, but they have already like learned all the skills that they're going to learn. Totally. Like, fuck them. Move, go fuse yep. them. Get it, throw them away. Get care. it out. Um, in Final Fantasy VII, if I've got a materia that has all of its that that's like leveled up to its its maximum uh-huh. potential, I'm like, okay, I really need fire three, but fuck this fire thing because I need to have something there that's gonna learn spells. I would even, gosh, there was even times where I would like have two, like I would take a full ice out and put a lower ice Because <laughs> I'm like, maybe late game, I'm going to need two maxed out ice yep. materia. I don't know. Yep. I don't know, man. Oh, And even though that's that's not directly allocating points, that's like me managing a system of things getting leveled up. Ah, yeah. It's so, so important. So good. How would, how would you feel about our next... Uh, playthrough joint playthrough of a game being final fantasy 12 again like we do with chrono cross i in theory like that a lot i feel like i have so many other games to play i wish we should if persona 5 ever comes out we should do that Mm -hmm. or you should play shimigami tensei 4 i was thinking like a game we don't know yet right yeah final fantasy 12 would be one i'd like to replay along with ff9 Along with FF7, along with Earthbound. Say <laughs> so FF12 is the only one I really want to to revisit. I want to revisit nine just because it's like such an early game for me. I right. played twelve much more recently, but boy, is twelve fucking good. It's good. God damn it! Why has no game since then done the Gambit system? I don't know. It's, I don't know. If we wait long enough, well, one there just hasn't been that many Final Fantasies, but systems keep coming back sure. in Final Fantasy games. But I mean, like other other games as well, like the idea of. Like auto, like scripting a sequence of things to happen. I don't know. Of if then. Just oh, makes it it's so good. That's the game I want to make. I want to make it. You usually don't see strategy in a turn based RPG mm-hmm. that way. Usually those are two separate genres of games. Yep. This merges them in really smart ways. So fast, so good. All right, here's my last one. Less battle time, more menu time. <laughs> Excuse me. All right, last one. Here we go. I also returns to an RPG mm-hmm. and not the thing about RPGs that I normally think about as being what I'm a fan of, but I really like it. I like late game stuff where all the rewards of what you've done are visibly present. 
So I like I like games where like you you power up. So I was thinking, for example, Shadow Complex. Okay, the end of Shadow Complex when you yep. have all the abilities and you have the dash, you can just like smash through everything. That that is something I like. But I was trying to think like what is a non combat oriented thing. So I decided to choose Suicoden. So by the end of Suicoden, what you've been doing for most of the game is as you as you're collecting the 108 people who are the stars of destiny. Is they so talking sweet code and one? Sweet code and one. Sweet code and the okay. first. Uh, I did not beat two, so I can't say I played most of it. But sweet code and one. Uh, you have a castle, and at the beginning, like you know, you go through a few missions, and then you know, some number of hours in the game, you get your castle. You can name your castle, and then you start filling it. You're the castle. And so, as you meet people along the way, they start filling your castle with, you know, people to talk to, but also like other things. So, like you meet a shopkeeper, and then a shop will open up in your castle. You meet a cook, and then you can do like a Iron Chef style cooking battle inside of your castle. So, by the end of that game, you filled up your castle with basically everybody that you've met along the way, and you can just right. walk around it and you see everyone as a collection, like a trophy nice. room that is yeah. actually living and functioning. In um, Suicoden Two, you have like a whole little town that you can build, but Suicoden One is just a castle and. I'm trying to remember the last game that I played that had like a real good space like that. Like a, I knew you just say, yeah. here's a visual representation this is everything of all the I've stuff done. I've done. Yep. Yeah. Not just like the cold Pokedex. Right. My last moment. Uh-huh. So I, it would be unethical if I didn't have a, a, a music game on here. Of course. Just that defines. I just have defines to. Jay. Just have to. Now, there's so many great music games out there. Sure, from DDR to Rock Band, Frequency, Amplitude, even things like Final Fantasy, Theater Rhythm. But I thought I thought about a specific moment in a game that not only is what music games are all about uh-huh. and my fun with them, but also a bigger thing about puzzle games and strategy games and why music games are fun. So I've chosen. Green Grass and High Tides on Expert in Guitar Hero 1. Wow. Which is not only an incredible song, period, it is an incredible Guitar Hero song, and here's why. It's the last, if, if you don't remember, in Guitar Hero, it was very basic. You played like 30 songs in a row. Green Grass and High Tides is the last song. It's nine minutes long, and you've played hard songs at this point, mm-hmm. and it starts out that hard. And then about four or five minutes in, there's this brutally hard, relentless, like, two-minute guitar solo that gets harder and harder and harder and harder <laughs> up to the point where you've got to go like... Like, it's just... The, the strategy became for me, like, I need to execute the rest of the song so perfectly that I've built up enough meter that I can, when I inevitably fuck up here, I won't fuck up enough yep. that the game, like, resets. And then... It builds up to this like crescendo after that happens, and it gets really hard again, and there's another drum fill, and then it's like back to the beginning. And you get this like both relieving and terrifying last minute or so of the song where it's it's just the chorus again. Mm-hmm. Um and even though you've played you've you've gotten past the hump, the the worst part of it, you're like, oh god, please don't screw this up, please don't screw this up, please don't screw this up. Or this, or I've just wasted all this time. I finally made it past this part, and it gets just a little bit harder at the end. <laughs> so there's this like it's well constructed as a puzzle. 
it rewards multiple plays a lot where you feel like you're finally getting better and better. It does an excellent job of testing you, like mastering the puzzle itself. I just, I really like that song. That's, that's all. This is from which game? Guitar Hero 1. Guitar Hero 1. The last song, hardest song in Guitar Hero 1. Wow. And it's always kind of hard, but it, it just gets a special kind of hard when you play it on Expert. That's it. Those are songs. This is a long, long one. Although, to be fair, there's some time in here that we can cut out. Oh, right. Yeah. Still. We've been on Skype for way longer than this episode has been going. <sighs> All right. Um, you want to send us your The List Moments? Lowscorepodcast at gmail.com. You can always subscribe to us with lowscorepodcast at blogspot.com. We have a Twitter account that is at lowscorepodcast. And when you visit there, you can say something like, um, next generation may be here, but low score podcast is stuck firmly in last gen.